from Parts Unknown. This is the TK and J Show. Now, here are your hosts, TK and J. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the TK and J Show. I am TK. And I am J. So, Jay, how was your week? Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, nothing really to complain about. Labor Day was fantastic. Celebrated uh, my nephew slash uh, you know, best friend's son's birthday, one-year-old, uh, actually uh, Tuesday. Excellent, excellent. I uh, played a little bit of golf myself this weekend, laid low. Other than that, didn't really do too much. Um, did a lot of show prep. Um, funny story, we actually recorded this already once, but our software didn't take it, so this is take two for us. So, uh, haha, joke's on us. That's why we uh, have the pot out of daylight, which we apologize for. Um, but we do have a great show in store for you tonight. We are going to have our NFL preview show. This is my favorite show of the year, as like I was telling you before off the air. Uh, when I had my own internet radio show a few years ago, I look forward to this show every year because it was always a big highlight just with the love of football and being able to talk about it. Um, so I think we have uh, we have some great stuff planned for it. And the prep on it was uh, pretty fun. I, I learned about some teams that I don't normally watch all, all the times. You know, you're, you're, I'm normally a, a Falcons, Browns, maybe Rams watcher, and, and that's pretty much it. But I, I got to learn more about the teams, and it actually helped me in my fantasy leagues because I knew a little bit more about each team. Yeah, I have to say the same thing. I just drafted a few players that I might not have normally drafted just because I had a chance to take a look at stats from last year, how their season in, and how training camp's gone for them so far. So um, speaking of fantasies things, too, we also would like to announce, thanks to at Power Rangers Now, big shout-out to you guys. We are in the TK and J Show Fantasy Football League that is Power Ranger-themed, and our team is stacked. We were looking at it the other day, man. I don't know what some of these guys were doing. We're going to go ahead and bash you now, but... We've got a stacked team, and I don't think anyone's going to stop us this year. I don't think we're going to lose a game this year. Uh, the, the team we have is is outrageously stacked from top to bottom. Uh, TK, who did the draft, which he did phenomenally, but I, I must say that he had pickups that shouldn't even been there in this draft. I mean, we had guys, we had, there were a couple teams who drafted kickers in the fourth round, and no offense, but I kind of laughed at y'all, so um, sorry about that, but... Drew Brees, Drake, McCaffrey, Brown, Woods, Gronk, Powell, Harrison Butker, and the Steelers' defense. That's my starters. And then on the bench, I got Duke Johnson, Robbie Anderson, Ted Ginn, Marquise Goodwin, and Jarvis Landry. Um, <clears throat> and there's still some top free agents. I could go and get Phillip Rivers or Danny Amendola if I wanted to. They're, they're just sitting there. So uh, we're definitely going to come in and uh, wreck this league. You know, and, and the crazy part about it is is Philip Rivers is still in this free agency and you'll hear some of the the, the highlights uh, on our show but Philip Rivers is probably one of the most consistent fantasy quarterbacks out there naturally because his team throws a lot but uh, the fact that he's still in this free agent uh, pool is ridiculous absolutely I think uh, I'm gonna have to take a second look at some of our maybe not so good um, players that we might have and pick up Philip Rivers because I think he might even have end up having a better year than Drew Brees, and you guys will hear more about Drew Brees uh, in a little while. Um, but, yeah, we got the NFL preview show for you tonight. We're going to talk uh, the week that was Tribe Baseball, have a little bit of Tribe talk. Tribe made a big trade that we're both pretty excited about. Um, we're also going to have the Power Rangers Star Wars Great Debate. Uh, we think you guys are going to enjoy that a lot. Um, and that's really about it tonight. Um, but before we uh, get rocking and rolling with the show, we just wanted to go ahead and shout out a good friend of ours, uh, Adam Vino, 
His family company, AmeriCal, has celebrated 50 years of business. So we just wanted to give a shout out to the AmeriCal Corporation for 50 wonderful years, taking care of your customers and doing what's right for them. Uh, and cheers to 50 more years for you guys. Uh, yeah, congratulations, you know, Grandpa Vino, uh, Jay Vino, Adam Vino, Jess Vino, Will Hyde. Congratulations to the whole crew on uh, what, what an, an amazing achievement of, of making this company run for 50 years. Uh, to, to 50 more years and many more many more years after that. Absolutely. Also, too, we wanted to give a shout-out to the uh, unified softball team of the Medina Flash Special Olympics. Uh, my good buddy Adam Cerny, who's on the team, uh, was telling me that they are playing in a state finals tournament uh, coming up on September 15th out there in Toledo. Um, so I guess the unified softball team mixes Special Olympics athletes and partner athletes that come together and play on the field together against other um, uh, counties and that do the same thing. And uh, they've had a pretty successful year so far. So um, from what I hear in Vegas, they are the odds-on favorite to win this thing. <laughs> now, my one thought is, is if someone wanted to sign up to partner with these, these amazing young people, uh, how, would they, how would they do that? They would need to contact uh, Special Olympics Medina County. Her name is Shelly Schaefer. And I will get Shelly's information for the next show and uh, get it out to everybody because I want to make sure it's correct. Uh, but she's the one who handles everything for Special Olympics, and she does a phenomenal job. That's awesome. <clears throat> and it sounds good. Good luck to you guys in Toledo. Yeah. Cerny, don't do that glove flip too much now. All right, guys. That's it for the Open. We'll be back with the uh, Tribe Talk. We're going to go Tribe Talk next. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back. So now we want to get into some tribe talk today. But before we get into the Indians talk, we just wanted to let you guys know you can definitely reach us via social media a couple different ways. You can reach out to us via the email, tkandjshow at yahoo.com. Or you can shoot, uh, choose to tweet at us. Uh, our Twitter handle is at j j a e underscore tk. Or you can download the Anchor app and leave us a voicemail. We'd love to be able to hear uh, what you guys have to say. We'd love to get some questions from, uh, from the audience. So please, get on that app. Great way to listen to the show. Um, the cool thing about the Anchor app is it has us break it down by segment. So if you're not a geek guy and you just want your sports stuff, you can just choose to listen to that stuff and then shoot us a, 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 a voice message on it. Um, or if you're just a geek guy and want to forget about the sports, you can just listen to the geek stuff and forget the sports and send us questions about that. If you guys have an idea for a segment, if you guys want to ask us some questions and you know, get to know more about us, we definitely play it on the air and be happy to answer it for you. Yeah, um, but remember, keep it family friendly. Yes, please keep it family friendly, man. If you, we, you can't play it on terrestrial radio, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the language because um, I get enough of that on Sundays during the Browns games. <laughs> All right, Jay. So Indians had a pretty, pretty big week. Um, on 831, the last day you could get a waiver wire player to be eligible for the postseason, the Indians went out and acquired probably the best bet that was still left out there in former AL MVP Josh Donaldson. Josh has been sidelined since May with a calf injury. However, in his one rehab assignment with the Blue Jays before he was traded, and then in his two rehab games with the Indians, all he's done is go out and hit home runs. So, Jay, tell me your thoughts on Mr. Donaldson. So I think I think it's another great move. Um, you know, it, it is an Indian, a Cleveland Indians front office move. Uh, we went and got Edwin Encarnacion two years ago, and we made it a move for him. 
that benefited the franchise. We didn't sell the farm for him. We made a move that benefits the franchise. This is the same thing here. I commend Chernoff for going out and getting Donaldson and making a move that benefits the Cleveland Indians more than it benefits Josh Donaldson. I, I appreciate him coming to our team, and he's going he's gonna to bring a spark to our lineup, and I'm excited to see this man on the field. Absolutely, and I have to give the Indians front office credit because they don't spend crazy amounts of money they're very smart with their money. They pick and choose their spots, like you said, with Encarnacion. They got Josh Donaldson for cash considerations, basically meaning they're going to pay his $3 million that he has left on his salary for the next month mm-hmm. and a half. And they're getting a player to be named later, which maybe it'll be Josh Tomlin. Fingers are crossed for us here. <clears throat> but Josh Donaldson brings not only playoff experience, he's a veteran. Um, he's been to the ALCS a couple different times with Edwin Encarnacion up there in Toronto. Um but he's going to play third base, and Jose Ramirez is going to shift back to second base. And I think that's a great thing on two ends. One, Jose's been in a little bit of a slump recently. I think that not having balls rocketed at you every single day at third base is going to allow him to kind of settle down, play his normal position, natural position of second base. And I think it's going to give him a second win that's going to carry him into the postseason and maybe help with the woes that he had in last year's postseason. Yeah, Jose doesn't have any home runs in his last uh, seven games, and I feel like this will be a welcome change for him to go back to a, a position where, you know, it, it's, a, it's a lot less responsibility, um, in my opinion. It's probably the least responsibility on the infield. Um, it, it still carries some weight, but, uh, you know, it, it, this will allow Jose Ramirez to be that big bat he's been all year um, and release some duties for him in the middle of our infield. Also, too, I think it furthers his candidacy for AL MVP because he's showing that he's just not a me guy. He's a team guy. And there's not many guys this late in the year with the numbers and things that he has done that would say, yeah, let me do that. Yeah, he, you know, <laughs> interesting enough, a, a guy who's been basically killing it at uh, third base all year would probably, you know, if it was any other guy, I'd say, no, I'm not moving. This guy's coming to our team. This is my spot. But Jose Ramirez knows that if he moves to second, lets Josh Donaldson have his position uh, it benefits the team, and that's why Jose is is a great ball player, a great team player, and this is why we're glad to have him as a Cleveland Indian. So you got Tito Francona now, who's going to be able to start filling out his lineup card with Josh Donaldson at third, Francisco Lindo at short, Jose Ramirez at second, and Edwin Encarnacion or Yonder Alonso at first. But then, like we've been talking about too, you've got that murderer's row of your first seven in the lineup. You've got Lindor. You've got Brantley, who's silently having a phenomenal season. You're going to have Ramirez. You could put Donaldson fourth. You could put Encarnacion fourth. Either way, Yonder Alonso, Melky Cabrera. My goodness, Tito, you've got toys and toys upon toys to play with. And the great thing is, is you're going to the playoffs. This team is 19 games above 500. No one's going to challenge them. They're going to be putting away the division here in the next week. But you've got 23 games when Josh Donaldson comes back, probably 16 games to figure out how you want your lineup going into the postseason. And I would say in the next month or so, we're going to know how Trevor Bauer looks too. So, man, look at all these toys that Tito has. I mean, I you look up and down any of the other rosters, I don't think there's as much versatility on other rosters at the, as there is right here in Cleveland. And there really isn't. Uh, I think the Cleveland Indians arguably win, will have the best infield when Josh Donaldson shows up. They, they're from... From first to third, there there is no better lineup out there right now. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we, we've talked about, you know, Kipnis having to step it up. 
credit to him. He had a pretty nice week. Um, had a couple home runs. So he batted 318 over the last week, but that reaches his average to like 220. Big whoop. Um, but now, so Jason Kipnis is the odd man out, and you know I'm not a really big fan of just handing him the center field's job when you've got a guy like Greg Allen who can cover ground, and you also have Rajay Davis sitting on your bench. Greg Allen's in a little bit of a slump, though, hitting 143 over the last week, but still, he's a rookie, younger player. I'm willing to give him a little bit more of a leash only because of what he gives me on the defensive side. And, and you know, and, and, it also, and it also benefits the Cleveland Indians to keep that lineup the way it is. I mean, I don't want him to replace Melky Cabrera because Melky Cabrera is killing it right now. And I, and I certainly don't want Kipnis to go to center field because the man's not an outfielder. And center fielder, uh, center fielder needs to cover some ground, and Greg Allen does that for us. So we, we need Kipnis to, to just be that, that pitch hitter. He needs to become a pinch hitter for us at this time and reevaluate his situation uh, with the Cleveland Indians after the year. If he's not if he's not content with that, uh, then yeah, it's time for him to go. But uh, right now the lineup is is stacked, and if we could keep Josh Donaldson past this year, it, it might be the swan song for Kipnis here in Cleveland. Absolutely, and you know right now the Indians are in a spot where we've both agreed two three years from now when both Ramirez and Lindor are free agents. I totally get it. I understand with the market we're in. You're not going to be able to sign both of those guys, but if you can sign some pieces like a Josh Donaldson, maybe get Edmund for another couple years after his contract's up next year, there's still enough talent here to where we can extend our window, especially if we go out and win the World Series this year. But I'm not worried about you know next year's. I'm more worried about this year. And like you said, Kip, you're just you're just the odd man out, my friend. And quite honestly, I'm okay with that. I'd rather have you coming off the bench potentially as a guy who can step in against a right-handed uh, pitcher and maybe give us a matchup that is to our liking. And just let me throw these numbers out there for you, and this is why I'm such a big Gray Allen fan as opposed to Kipnis. We're talking the last month of baseball here. Kip and Greg Allen are right next to each other. Kip is four points higher than Greg Allen in average, and they've they've played. And, and Greg Allen has played in four less games this month uh, than 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 Kip has. We're we're talking about the same production. Kip has three home runs. Greg Allen has one. We're, we're, you know, it's 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 about the same production. So I'd rather I'd rather keep Greg Allen in the lineup and and keep basically the same production, rather than take him out out of the outfield and get a way a way discrepancy in 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 center field. So absolutely, and you know you you can like have Kip come off the bench, but Greg Allen gives you so much more defensively. And defense and pitching wins you championships. We have we have seven bats in front of Greg Allen. Even if you throw Jan Gomes in there, you have eight bats in front of Greg Allen that are better than him. He knows what his job is. His job is to go out there and patrol center field and make plays out there. Anything he gives you with his bat, it's just a bonus. And I'll take whatever it is that he gives me. And, and, and Lord, let's not even look to right field right now. Uh, Melky Cabrera, his hair is on fire in this past month. He's he's had five home runs and he's hitting three twenty two. I can't, I can't have Kip anywhere in this outfield right now. It, it just doesn't make any sense for me. Absolutely not. Now, if Melky Cabrera was struggling, maybe we can have this conversation. But right now, the guy's on fire. He's producing. He's made the most of his second chance that he's had here with Cleveland in the major leagues. Um, and I think, quite honestly, he's going to be a big part come playoff time. Absolutely. And and right now, as I, I'm, I'm, I'm campaigning for uh, right now, I'm lobbying for Kipnis. You're going to be the best pinch hitter to ever be in the playoffs right now. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and, and 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 understand that that's what we need for you to be as 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 an, a Cleveland Indian at this point. You you need to be coming off the bench and 
coming in on uh, in situations where Tito needs to match you up with with a uh, with a a certain relief pitcher. Absolutely. Also, before uh, we um, move on uh, to uh, some geek talk, um, some stats that really jumped out at me just doing some research for the show. The Indians, Jay, they have four starters that have 10 wins or more. you got Kluber with 18 wins, and he's 2-0 with a 0.66 ERA in his last two starts. So I think Corey Kluber is back again. Carlos Carrasco has quietly has 16 wins. Trevor Bauer sitting on the sidelines, chomping at the bit to get back in. He's got 12 wins. Clevenger, <clears throat> excuse me, he has 11 wins. All four of these guys' ERA is under, under 3. Clev's ERA is under 3 as well, which is... Crazy to know, crazy to see that you have four starters with ERAs under three in the American League. The Indians should have more than 79 wins, but we know that the bullpen kind of scuffled us a little bit at the beginning. But my goodness, to have 65 of your wins coming from four from five starters, because Bieber has a chance to get to 10 too. He's got eight wins, and you know he's in 23 games. He's going to get at least another three or four starts, and he's pitched well enough through five innings where you get his five innings, get him out of the game. That's all I need him for. Uh, Shane Bieber only needs to give you five innings come playoff time, even four innings come playoff time. Just eat some innings. But if we can get five pitchers to have 10 or plus wins, that's a testament to this team who has come out, especially to this rotation, who has basically said, we're going to go ahead and take this team and we're going to carry it and we're going to put them on our put them put this team on our shoulders. And to their credit, they've done it. Yeah, and 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 in the, in the last month of baseball, it has been good for our starters. Uh, Clevenger and Kluber leading the way with both four wins. Clevenger on, in the last 30 uh, games has only allowed one uh, 1.72 uh, runs ERA uh, in his performances. So, you know, we're, we're really looking to t- turn the corner. You know, Cookie and Bieber also, uh, you know, up there with, with low ERAs and, 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 and everything like that. So uh, this, is, this is a good sign for us that going into the playoffs that we, we won't have to rely on a three-man rotation uh, and, you know, and hand the ball off to, unfortunately, Mike Clevenger again, which that just was just was sad for us to have to do. We won't have to hand the ball to him on three days of rest uh, this season. We have four capable starters that can get us through the playoffs. Absolutely, because even if Bauer can't come back, you can still throw Shane Bieber in there. But just imagine if you have Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, and Mike Clevenger. They're all four. They're four right-handed starters. But each of them attacks hitters differently. So there's no way that any team could kind of key in and say, well, Kluber's a little bit like Carrasco, and Carrasco's a little bit like Clevenger, and Clevenger's a little bit like Bauer. You talk about a murderer's role of our first seven guys in the lineup, I wouldn't want to be on the other side of having those four guys come at me come playoff time. And they're also, you know, they've been eating they've been eating a lot of innings as well. So look for them to eat a lot of innings, get us to the sixth inning, if not further, and be able to hand out to a bullpen that's actually starting to gel, uh, you know, O- Otero, uh, I mean not Otero. I mean Oliver Perez and uh, and uh, you know and and uh, Brad Hand and and Cody and, Allen are starting to, to gel right now. Absolutely. And if we can get Andrew Miller back, I mean, talk about we may not even have to get to the to the sixth. We can go to the fifth and and bring these four guys in and shut it down. You yep. don't have to play. Absolutely. And you're gonna have three left-handed uh, relievers coming out of that bullpen. Tito's gonna be able to uh, match up like crazy. Um, Tom Hamilton's going to love coming in and out of commercials because Tito's going to be running up, uh, running out to that mound to make those changes. But it's a nice toy and weapon to be able to have. Um, so I think uh, coming into the next week, we're going to be able to kind of see the Indians probably win 
a good chunk of their next uh, probably six to ten games just because they're against teams who are under 500 who have had fire sales or just are not having good seasons. <clears throat> and then uh, the last hard uh, hardest uh, series we have is Boston coming up uh, here towards the middle uh, middle of the month. Um, and that ought to be one great series too to see what we can do here on our turf. Yeah, and I would be glad that you know the last time we got a split against them, which which is okay with me. I'm not disappointed in that whatsoever. Um, but hopefully we could we could take uh, two from them, hopefully three to really make a statement, and that that'd be great. Um, I'm also looking to the the Blue Jay series that's coming up to see how the fans treat Josh Donaldson when he when when they when they come back or I think they're they're coming here. They're coming here, yeah. Okay, they're coming here. You know, and the last time I went to a Blue Jays game, they travel pretty well. So I'd be interested to see how the fans, the away fans, treat Josh Donaldson when they see him on the field. I think that they're going to give him uh, give him the applause that he deserves because he did a lot of good things there. Um, and Josh is ready now. I mean, yeah, he's on the DL retroactive to the first. Mm-hmm. But in three minor league appearances, he's got three home runs. He's got one grand slam in Columbus, and he's got a nice two-run homer down in Akron last night. So, uh JD's ready. It's just a matter of getting him in the lineup, and uh, there's even no rush to get him really, really rocking and rolling because he's shown you with his bat he's ready to go. Yeah, and, and it sounds like this is a breath of fresh air for him. Absolutely. It sounds like he was stymied in, in, in Toronto and wanted out um, just as much as they wanted to get rid of him. So, uh, you know, he's come here and he's rocking and rolling for us. So uh, excited to get that spark into the lineup. Absolutely. All right, well, that's enough Tribe Talk for tonight. Uh, looking forward to seeing what our Indians do over the next uh, you know, seven days or so before we do our next uh, pod. Um, but coming up next, the debate to end all debates. Yeah, Power Rangers, Star Wars. Who's? All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, don't forget, hit us up on the email, Show at yahoo.com. Twitter at J underscore TK. Also, don't forget, we have the Anchor app. If you want to leave us a voice message, harass us a little bit, download the Anchor app and search TK underscore J. You'll find all the shows that we've uh, published so far, and there's a way to leave us voicemails, and we get those the second you send them off to us. So uh, we're looking forward to hearing uh, from you guys on that. All right, here we go. Our first debate we're going to talk about a little bit of a comicbook.com article that we read um, where somebody came out and basically said that Power Rangers has the better franchise. Um, we both read it. We're going to have our own points on it aside from the article. Um, I'm going to go first, present my case, then I'm going to let Jay go, and then we'll go ahead and rip each other apart and have a debate. All right. Many people who know me, you all know, I'm going with the Power Rangers. And for me, quite honestly, guys, it's not even close. I have to show respect to the Star Wars franchise, though. It's one of the most iconic franchises that we've ever seen. Four decades of toys and movies and characters. But the plot's kind of shallow, in my my opinion. Um, As Adi Shankar pointed out, and it's always been my biggest gripe of Star Wars 2, it's the Rebels versus the Empire. But I really don't know... Who's supposed to be the bad guys and who's supposed to be the good guys? I mean, you're led to assume that Yoda and his buddies, you want to root for the rebels, but what did the Empire ever really do to, to get all this hatred? Uh, to me, Power Rangers tackles many issues um, if you really break down the entire history of the series. Um, they're very big on teamwork, very big on inclusion, 
self-discipline. Last week we talked about, um, you know, you can't grow up to be a Power Ranger, but, you know, you can accomplish anything you set your mind to. And also friendship. These are five things that kids can learn at a very young age that can help shape who they become to be. Yeah, Star Wars blows a lot of stuff up, has some cool-looking toys, some iconic characters. But what values or lessons has it left behind for our future generations? I believe if you're going to have a franchise that's like this, you should want to leave some kind of lasting legacy that you can pass on to the next generation that maybe they can learn something from. It's just my opinion. I could be wrong. Power Rangers has the ability also to have different teams coexist in the same realm, in the same worlds, and have endless combinations of team-ups. Evidence of this exists in the comic book series with the Shattered Grid series. Kyle Higgins and his team, shout out to you guys, did a wonderful job showing us that teams from all different eras of the last 25 years can come together and make a very, very good thing out of a very, very bad thing. Now, imagine if they were to turn something like that into a major motion picture or put something on Netflix. Now that uh, Hasbro has bought the show and anything that goes with it, they also have some things on Netflix. So, hint, hint, like we said last week, let's talk about Netflix. Power Rangers consistently reinvents itself every year with different Rangers, different costumes, different Zords and villains. And even after 24 years last year in 2017, we got a reboot of our original characters that were still able to identify with things that our teens and this generation are facing today, which I thought was very, very big. But how much of a story can Star Wars really tell? I'm really not too keen on seeing the same war fought over and over and over again, but they just have different characters who are fighting the battles. You got Kylo Ren versus Luke Skywalker. I didn't even watch the last one because it's just too confusing for me at this point. But it's the same thing over and over and over. And then in 2017, we saw Power Rangers become the number one selling action figures brand. That's a fact I got off the internet. Uh, more Star Wars, more uh, selling more than Star Wars, Marvel, and Transformers. Uh, there's a quote from uh, Tess Parsons, who was a uh, with Bandai Manufacturing at the time, who still has the contract for Power Rangers toys. Uh, These are fantastic results and a testament of the Power Rangers brand. She also went on to say that Power Rangers has proven its position not only as a classic brand, but as a must-have toy in such a competitive marketplace. Um, so after 25 years, we are still one of the top-grossing toy manufacturers in the country. Show makes money, whether it's the legacy toys, whether it's the different seasons toys, is constantly reinventing itself to uh, give something for kids to watch, for kids to believe in, and it still has that same message, which um, is probably one of the reasons why I still watch it throughout the years. Um, also, if a franchise is bought for $520 million, that's a half a billion. Um, with Hasbro, there's got to be something there that they see that they can make money off of. And Hasbro also does Star Wars figures, but um, from some of the articles I was reading, they feel that Power Rangers is going to overtake Star Wars eventually with some of the things that they can sell. Um, quite honestly, I think that the height of Star Wars has come and gone because um, they keep fighting the same battles just with different characters. However, this Power Ranger franchise is one that will be here for many, many, many more years to come. And... They're going to continually reinvent themselves, finding different ways to appeal to kids. So in my mind, it's not even close. Power Rangers is the better franchise. Now and forever. Jay? I, 
I, it's I, all you. I can't even believe we're here at this point. Um, you know, I, I I consider myself a huge huge Power Rangers fan. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, I, I I will you know I, I do enjoy them, uh, but I I can't believe we're we're even talking about the the comparison here. Uh, we're talking about a Guinness Book World Record in Star Wars of uh, being the most successful franchise, uh, film uh, merchandising uh, franchise. Uh, ever, um, the total value of this 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 franchise at this point is forty two billion, uh, and it is currently the you know the third highest grossing media franchise of all time. I mean, there, there's so much you know epic and icon you know things that are going on with this. It, you know the the music by John Williams. I mean, everybody knows the tunes. Everybody they're very recognizable. Uh, you you know. If if anyone plays it, you know exactly what part of the movie was. You know exactly what what you were doing when you first heard it. Uh, George Lucas, I I mean, you know I I, I like Saban, but uh, George Lucas is the man. I mean, he has created all types of epics, and Star Wars is is one of them. So I I just don't even understand how we're we're even here. This is this is major league versus minor league right here, folks. Uh, you know. Star Wars to me is just like Power Rangers. Uh, the, the the Rangers and the Rebel Alliance were both recruited teams with attitudes. So, you know, they're both fighting against uh, a, a powerful force trying to take over the world. And, and in Star Wars' case, the universe. Um, there's also, you know, there was also a battle within each main character. You know, Luke trying to manage the force with inside himself, and not going to the dark side. Uh, you know, Han Solo, a lone wolf that's trying to figure out who he is in this universe and 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 what friendships and family met, mean to him, all the while while trying not to uh, make a profit off of it. Uh, you know, th you know, there's a, um, you know, there's just a whole bunch of things in here that can be intertwined. We talk about Ray and Kylo Ren. We don't even know if they're brother and sister yet, but there's still much more to divulge into that. So, uh, you know, I. I I just feel like there's just more dimensions as far as Star Wars characters go. Um, we know who Tommy Oliver is. We, uh, you know, uh, it was just 25 years later we found out that this guy uh, is married and and maybe married and 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 has a kid. Uh, we we know this with Star Wars. There's generation after generation with Star Wars, so it, it's it's withstanding the test of time right now. Uh, it, it may have gotten to the point where Star Wars is not for kids. It's more PG-13 rated. So that could be the factor why the, the toy sales have, have dipped because, you know, uh, uh, adults watch these movies more than, than kids really do and, and everything like that. Plus, Cartoon Network isn't really, you know, doing the, the cartoon series anymore with the Attack of the Clones. So they're not really appealing with Star Wars to kids anymore. They're appealing to the teenage uh, crowd and, and, and up. Uh, the 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 interviewed party Ali states that he did not know what the Empire did wrong in this one and and I and I kind of chuckled because you know the Empire built a weapon that destroyed a whole planet uh, you know Padme's home planet Naboo was completely annihilated and they to me committed genocide so if that wasn't enough to be wrong I, I don't know where what, what more you have to do to, to be wrong but the rebels formed to basically stop the empire from doing that ever again, and that's essentially what the Power Rangers do. I mean, they they stop all the bad guys who decide to descend on our universe and Earth from uh, destroying our planet. 
but except the rebels stop us, stop the empire from destroying the universe. I think that's bigger in the grand scheme of things. Uh, the biggest thing, and I hate to do this to the Power Rangers, I really hate to do this. The biggest thing about Star Wars that makes it better than the Power Rangers is the fact that it's all original tales. Power Rangers comes from, you know, an already made show in Japan, whereas Star Wars is just off the top of the brain of George Lucas and his and Disney. And these stories, while they seem to repeat, they do have intricate, you know, tributaries, forks in the road, things like that, that we're still trying to piece together to this day of, of what is going on. There's a slight edge for me um, as far as iconic characters go. Uh, we've got Luke, Han, Leia, Darth Vader, C-3PO, R2-D2, Boba Fett, Kylo Ren, the Stormtroopers, Jabba the Hutt, Lando Calrissian, Darth Maul, Chewbacca. These are all people that we all know. When it comes to the Power Rangers, who's the most iconic Power Ranger? Tommy. Name somebody else. Besides Kimberly, because she was my childhood crush. Um, but uh, name anybody else right off the top of your head. I mean, most people, when I ask them about the Power Rangers, they only quote to me the first ever Power Rangers they ever saw. They can't name anybody from from maybe the Zeo era. They can't name anybody from the SPD era. None of, none of that stuff uh, they can do. But if I ask someone to name something about the Star Wars, they're giving me any one of these characters. And that's why I feel that Star Wars gets a slight edge. The, uh, the other, there's a huge major edge that goes to uh, Star Wars, and, and, and I can't really fault Power Rangers for this, but I do. It's because major actors have signed on to be these characters. So, you know, we're getting major A-listers to come play these actors when I feel like Power Rangers as as a as a series dropped the ball on that where we could get some major actors uh, to come play some of these characters if they're going to revamp them and take it away from guys like Jason David Frank and, and things like that. Um, I will give the edge to the Power Rangers as far as their vehicles slash zords and the weapons and the outfits and everything like that. Power Rangers, you got us on, on Star Wars on that one. But uh, uh, at the end of the day, uh, my barometer is the casual fan. And when you walk down the street... Who, who's going to know what first? And if I ask someone, what do you know about Power Rangers versus Star Wars? People who haven't even seen Star Wars can tell you what happened in Star Wars. They can quote what happened in Star Wars. It's not the same with Power Rangers. And that's why I feel that Star Wars gets the edge at this point. Oh, well and good. One of the biggest major things, too, which it's tough to compare this part of it, is Star Wars has been mainly major motion pictures. Power Rangers has been mostly a syndicated television show, so the edge there, it's hard for me to debate that with you as to what people might say or hear other than you know maybe hearing some of these original Rangers, simply for the fact that major blockbuster videos and DVD, you know, uh, movies, syndicated television shows. Um, but you know, you said um, you said something that uh, kind of hit a little bit of a chord with me. Um, with Lucas coming up with all of his original tales, and, you know, we kind of ripped off the footage from Super Sentai. Did we take footage from Sentai? I'll drop my pen because I'm just ready to <laughs> blow, blow a gasket. Oh, my goodness. You can, see the, you can see the steam coming out of my ears. Oh, my goodness. Sure, it's footage from Super Sentai, but the character names are different. The plots are different. There's no crossover ever of Super Sentai and Power Rangers, so... And in essence, yes, he's taken something that worked over 
overseas, but brought it over here and put his own spin on it, put his own character developments on it, um, giving people a chance to get behind some of these characters and some of these storylines. Um, you know, being a big Power Ranger buff that I am, I mean, does Star Wars have its own Comic Con? No. Does Power Rangers? Yes, we do. I feel like people show up to those Comic Cons as Star Wars characters, and and I feel not like... Power Morphicon. You are seeing everybody, and you know, taking point too. You go to a Comic Con right now, and you have people like Jason Fawn and Austin St. John and Jason David Frank going to these Comic Cons. And just to switch gears a little bit, I was at one a couple years ago. William Shatner, obviously one of the most popular television characters, James Tiberius Kirk. This is not a lie. I swear to goodness. Two people in his line. Jason David Frank had 150. Yeah, but see, we're talking about William Shatner. Uh, me and you, we barely know who William, uh, William Shatner is, and we're, we're in our 30s. William Shatner was... was not so fast, my friend. Star was, Trek is one of my favorite things to watch yeah, on the television. I, 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 I love you, me you, some Shatner. You, you got to pick a better show. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, though... like. If the guy who played Boba Fett or Jar Jar Banks or someone like that showed up at Comic Con, I'd be very interested to see. And you can put their lines right next to each other. Get get put Jason David Frank there. He's the most popular one. Who's going to get more people? Mark Hamill does these Comic Con shows. He's done stuff with Jason David Frank. You see pictures. I've seen pictures of the lines. They're similar. Yeah, but you're comparing one guy. One guy. He Jason David Frank isn't the whole. Franchise. Right, but I'm saying you put him up against anyone from Star Wars, and he will get just as many fans, if not more, than those people. I, I, I just because you I, don't see Harrison I Ford doing. Can't just hitch the whole wagon to one guy, though. But that one guy has carried the badge for 25 and, and years, and that's true. But is it is it Power Rangers that is popular, or is it Jason David Frank that's popular? I think it's Power Rangers because he signs every everything he signs is Power Ranger related. There are very few things that he's done that have been outside of that. Just like, I mean, Mark Hamill's done The Voice of Joker and Luke Skywalker. What else has he done? He's, he, Those are like... But when you, when you think Joker of Star Wars... one of the most iconic Jokers out there right now. And Luke Skywalker, you know, admittedly, they've probably run their course. I will give you that because it's been 40 years. They probably have run their course. But we're talking Jordan and LeBron right now. Like, in their prime, it's hard to argue that. But, you know... I can make I'm, an argument that with the... With Hasbro taking over and all the plans that they have to release future installments of movies, do special things on Netflix, to reach out to fans and give back to the people of 25 years, I could argue that we're entering our prime right now. I, and I would I would say that, but it, it's it to me it's hard to to really to really debate. And the reason why I say this, I feel like right now Star Wars is better because they're they they are like Jordan. They are. They've been. They've done it longer. They have the rings, and and Power Rangers still has more to go. Are, is Power Rangers good? Yeah, they definitely are. But I, they still have more to go. They still have to get more people, for me to believe more more characters, more actors, for us for me to believe that they are on the level with Star Wars. I mean, there's so many iconic characters that come with. And I'm talking the actual actors that come with Star Wars, as opposed to uh, what the Power Rangers have. We, we, you and I know who these actors are, but the casual fan doesn't know Steve. 
he he doesn't know uh, you know the casual fan doesn't know well they might know Cat I mean she was there for a little while but right. you know you know, those are those are people that we know but the average fan doesn't know but if I if I ask you who Lando Calrissian is and that dude was only in one movie in the original one and then this this Han Solo movie people don't even know who the actor was so right. to me that that's why you know. That's why Star Wars gets the nod for me because right now they are the icon that Power Rangers aspire, aspires to be. So I, I can't really just give him the nod on just Jason David Frank alone, even though he is. I mean, the he's man. doing a lot of but, things too. Not only is he doing Comic Cons, but he's getting other iconic Rangers. He's not getting the ones who didn't get a lot of screen time or you know you don't remember from seasons. But Jason Font's popularity has gone way up. Um, Austin St. John, they they have a little bit of a beef, so they say. I don't think that they do. I like to think of them as two guys who would push when push came to shove would do the right thing for the franchise and co-star in some kind of thing if they needed to. But he is doing things where he's getting more of these iconic figures, not only involved on the Comic Con scene, but getting them involved if they come to him and say, "Hey, we want to do a reunion episode." All right, well, I need Jason Fawn here. I need I need you know Cat Sutherland here. I need this person, you know, whoever it might be to come in and do it. He just doesn't make it about himself. He wants to make it so where he can leave this for future generations. And I think he's looking for someone to take up his mantle. I think he's a great leader for the franchise. I just I just feel that if if Power Rangers was was so so much better, they would have to ask him to keep coming back to keep us watching. I mean, for 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 Well, the fans are asking for it to come back. Exactly. That's that, the, that's that that's hey, we want to see the people we watched growing up. I mean, I thought that they the 25th anniversary show, watching it. Why wasn't Andros there? The guy destroyed Zoran. I would have had him in that episode. There could have there a million different ways they could have gone, much different rangers they could have brought back into it. Some of them don't want to come back onto the show for mm-hmm. certain reasons. David Yost will go to the Comic-Cons, will meet the fans, will meet the people who have supported him. But as far as going on the show, because of how he was treated, because of how his sexual orientation is, which I don't care whether you're gay, straight, or whatever, if you're a good person, that's all that matters to mm-hmm. me. Um, but he's not coming back for those reasons. So, you know, it's tough to get some of these people back who, A, don't think they're getting paid what they should get paid for a cameo appearance. You're not going to get a million dollars for a cameo appearance. Just go on the damn show. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I just have to tell you, it's Power Rangers for me. Maybe it's just because of the fandom that I have and what it's done for me in my life and what it's taught me. And, you know, it's just, I feel like this something that I can pass down to my kids that would... You know, have a more lasting meaning in everyday life is with the lessons that it teaches, and maybe that's why I look at it a little more strongly than I do Star Wars. Yeah, I don't look at Star Wars as a as a as a lesson, and and the thing about the, that's where that's where the it's hard, and that's where they become apples to oranges because we're talking Power Rangers being a kid show. It should have some type of substance to it that it's not just fighting, and 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 I can get down with that. That's why I like the Power Rangers. It, it does have that meaning, but Star Wars. Uh, it is. It is everything. A, you know, everything a good you know pornography has. It's all. It's all action, no talk. I mean, I love that. Right. I mean, so, you know, did you just compare Star Wars to pornography? You know, it, it made sense. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, I I feel like at this point that it, it's 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 apples to oranges because one is more of a grown up show, and I'm not saying that. You know, you can't be a grown-up and watch Power Rangers because, I, like I said last week, I will, I'm going to watch Toy Story 4. I watched Toy Story 3 and almost cried at it. But this is all nostalgia for me as far as Power Rangers go. Star Wars, I'm a new, I'm a new uh, admirer of it. I hadn't watched any Star Wars movie until I was 29 years old. Hadn't seen any of them, but I knew the story. 
And I watched all six, and I was hooked. And I can't not watch them when they come out. Granted, I didn't see Solo because I just didn't have the time. But these movies, they, they speak to me in a different way than Power Rangers does. And I don't need them to have a, a good story. I, I just like the action, uh, and, and I like the character buildup, and I like the, the storylines where we're trying to figure out where everybody's going, who their, their, their relationships, whose child they are, who they used to be married to, all this type of stuff is unfolding for me as I watch every single movie. So it's interesting for me um, where Power Rangers is just, you know, I get what it's going to be about and and I'm just nostalgic about it. So it's just, it's just different, you know. I think we can uh, we can end it on that. I think that was a nice, healthy debate. Um, love to hear the audience's feedback. Who won? Tell us. Hit us up. Show at yahoo.com. On Twitter, at J underscore TK, or leave us that message on the Anchor app. Uh, we would definitely love to hear uh, what you guys have to think about that. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and this is my favorite show to do. When I had my own internet radio show many years ago, I always loved doing the NFL roundtable, man, because I'm a football guy. I love talking football, uh, talking X's and O's, talking stats, talking players, who's, who's going to win and why. Uh, so we're going to get you in the know for everything you need to know about the 2018 NFL season. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the uh, TK and J show. Uh, we are now about to dive in what I'm most excited about, and it's the NFL preview show. Uh, the way we're going to work, yes, definitely deserves two snaps. Um, but definitely the way we're going to work here is we're just going to break down how we feel about each division and, and, and just kind of give a little insight of what, we, what we've seen and what we've uh, heard as far as the teams go in each division. Um, I'm going to go ahead and kick it off with the NFC East, uh, one, of the, one of the more intriguing divisions in, in the NFL. Um, it, it's, been, it's been a while since actually a, a title contender has actually repeated. I think we're looking at 2005. Um, no NFC team has repeated in the East, but uh, we'll go ahead and get started with the Redskins. Um, they're expecting great things. They were expecting great things from Darius Geis, uh, but uh, unfortunately, due to ACL, an ACL tear, uh, they will have to look elsewhere for their offense. Um, at this point, uh, I'm seeing that Jay Gruden, he's going to be on the hot seat. Um, you know, it, it's it's time for the Redskins to uh, win. Speaking of time, it's also time for them to change their logo as well. Uh, that's another debate for another day. Um, but uh, uh, also, you know, you know, he's been on the hot seat, and and I feel like the general, the general manager, and the front office in in Washington is is are not hitching their wagon to this man at all. Um, it was a boring off season, uh, boring off season for them. Um, you know, they 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 have the same cast as 2017, and they're really just looking for their injured starters to return to form in 2018. One thing they did do is there's a huge signing of Alex Smith. Uh, they're moving on from the Kirk Cousins era, apparently. Um, I, I think that they are getting the same quarterback, in my opinion. Uh, but if they you know, work with Alex Smith's uh, knowledge of the West Coast offense, they should do good things over there. Um, Jordan, Jordan Reed will most likely be Alex Smith's favorite target. He's going to be like a Travis Kelsey in Kansas City for um, Alex Smith. So we, we, look to, uh, we look to see how they do. Good news for the Redskins, though, if they were, managed to, if they were able to make a playoff, uh, Alex Smith has a 97.4 uh, 
QBR rating in seven career playoff games. So uh, if if they make it to the playoffs, they can make some noise. Um, moving on to the Giants. Um, the Giants, you know, they got themselves a franchise running back in Saquon Barkley, in my opinion. Um, Absolutely. He, he has a... In the couple of fantasy, just just right off the bat, uh, in the couple of fantasy drafts that I've been in, he's gone higher than Zeke has, and that's remarkable to me. Um, that could possibly be because that's how Zeke came out as a rookie as well. So they're probably thinking where Saquon has the same potential. So we, we're looking for uh, Saquon to, to help Eli Manning move the Giants to the next step as far as an explosive offense. Um, we also get a, the return of a healthy Odell Beckham who uh, got broke off with a new contract, five years, 90, $95 million, uh, $65 million guaranteed. Man, if I could just catch a football. For a guy who almost got traded to Cleveland to sign that kind of a contract, kudos to you, Odell. Now keep your head on your shoulders. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I know Jarvis Landry said that it used to be a punishment to come to Browns, and I, I mean, I felt like we could have paid you that or somewhere near that. I mean, we got a lot of cap space. I don't know if we would have, but, uh, I mean, we could have paid you. Uh, but, you know, enjoy the Giants. You know, hopefully Eli Manning and, and you and Saquon uh, turn this, this Giants uh, offense around and, and really make some moves. Uh, there is a lot of buzz from what I was seeing in the Empire State. Um, defensively, they're still looking to rebuild their linebacker core, but, uh, but they have some huge, huge additions in – you know, you, the UGA standout, Alec Ogletree, who used to play for the Rams, he's, he's pretty solid at, at run-stopping. Uh, Kareem Martin and newly acquired in the draft, Lorenzo Carter, are looking to be some, some huge defensive run-stoppers for the Giants in this division. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, like the Browns, uh, the schedule will be tough. Uh, maybe too tough for the, the New York Giants to look at making an impact this year. Uh, they got two against the Cowboys. They got two against the Eagles. That's already tough as in, in itself. And then they have a home game, two home games, one with the Saints and one with the Jags. And we all know how the Jags performed last year. So it's going to be tough for, for the, the, the new explosive offense to really gel. Um, and one thing that's still a huge question mark with the Giants, the O-line uh, just hasn't gotten better. Um, even with adding Nate uh, Soldier and Patrick Omeyamea, it's, it's just still not good. We, we want to keep Eli uh, off his back, and, you know, that has been a big factor these past couple of years is not keeping him off his back, and, and I feel like they haven't addressed that, that yet. Um, but adding Saquon, Saquon Barkley should help, uh, you know, Eli Manning shoulder the load and, and, stop the pass, and actually slow down the pass rush for the Giants. Uh, I, I do feel that they will have they will be better than past years, but in the vaunted NFC East, I just don't think they have enough firepower to really come out of that division. Let's move to the Super Bowl champs, the defending Super Bowl champs, the Eagles. Uh, major keys to this one is will Carson Wentz, in my opinion, a top ten passer at this point in his career, will he be able to return to form when he comes back from his ACL injury uh, this year? He still hasn't been really cleared to play, I don't believe. Um, so Nick Foles is going to shoulder the, the first round, uh, first game this year. Uh, the way he looked against the Browns in the preseason, uh, I uh, saw, it doesn't look good. So Eagles uh, fans will be w very, very welcoming to Carson Wentz when he comes back because and, and Nick Foles looked like 
Nick Foles against the Browns defense. This is not the Nick Foles that was in the playoffs. This is the Nick Foles that we all knew and loved before the playoffs. So, you know, the Eagles are really hoping that Carson Wentz can, you know, come back as soon as possible. But another factor is, will Carson Wentz be comfortable um, with it with the ACL? Uh, you know, very, you know, very rarely do people come back and not fear getting hit once they have a almost a season ending injury, maybe even career-threatening injury. So we're hoping that Carson Wentz comes back to form and, you know, basically becomes a top-ten passer that got them to the playoffs before he went down. Uh, the defense is still well-built um, for getting to the passer. Uh, they have a lot of skill options up there. Uh, Jai, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar. So those, those are good options if – when Carson Wentz or Nick Foles is still there, those are good options for them to still go to. The team is just about the same. Um, they set up well to make an attempt to repeat, but it all hinges on when you know, Wentz returns and how he plays. I look for them to start 0-1 because they do have the Falcons coming to town, and that's, a, that's an awesome perennial playoff team. Um, one thing I did notice while I was looking up, Fletcher Cox is becoming one of the league's best pass rushers. Along with uh, Brandon Graham, shout out, former U of M standout. Uh, they're going to solidify this defense for sure. Uh, Brandon Graham last year had 9.5 sacks last year as a part of uh, the fourth-ranked defensive unit. So look for them to stay about the same, maybe even get better in, in, in with the Eagles. Uh, now moving on to America's team, the Cowboys. <clears throat> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. America's team. <laughs> For the Cowboys, uh, they're really looking to put the last season behind them. Uh, Dak has a new weapon in Alan Hearns from Jacksonville, which should replace Des Bryant. Um, the, the hole that Des Bryant left, they're, they're probably about the same receiver at this point in both of their careers. So, you know, uh, Dak, Dak will definitely get some help um, as far as the passing offense goes. But the biggest thing is having Zeke for a full season, barring injury, of course. Zeke will uh, not be suspended, thankfully, this season. Uh, he will be there to help them return to the 2016 form that they were in where basically they relied on Zeke on uh, run plays, screen plays, angle plays, things like that, where that made Dak Prescott look like an offensive machine. Uh, the defense looks to turn the corner, led by Sean Lee and Demarcus Lawrence, uh, they, they looked to turn the corner because they had a lot of young talent that came in in 2017 that are now in their second year. Look, for, look out for guys like Taco Charlton um, to make some noise and you know look for the Cowboys to have double-digit wins this season. Um, another nugget that I was thinking about that I saw that the Cowboys, whenever they have a terrible season, the very next year, they win the division. So... Last year they they weren't they wasn't a terrible season but they didn't meet expectations a disappointing season so to be so look out for uh, 2018 to be the year that they uh they may take the NFC East so let me jump in there then for just a couple of thoughts I had on the NFC East <clears throat> speaking of Jay Gruden been there for a few seasons uh, speaking of um, Dallas's coach Jason Garrett um, how hot are their seats right now to perform I think. I really think Jay Gruden's is, is the the hotter seat. Um, I, I, the Washington fans are starving for a winner, um, so I I feel like it now is the time where you either show me you've got the promise to turn our team around, 
show me that we can contend in this division, which is going to be tough to do. Um, it, it, it's now now or never for Jay Gruden. Um, he they went out and got him a quarterback um, that matches the offense he likes to run in the in the West Coast. So um, right now, I think Jay Gruden's is hot. I don't think there's anything wrong in Dallas. I I think when you have a ten win season. It's, it's hard for you to come back at a coach and say, what are you doing? But, you know, Jerry Jones, he's an anomaly. He's, he, he, may, he may cut uh, the Dallas coach. Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett, thank you. Um, because he's not winning playoff games. But Jason Garrett has done what he needed, needed to do to get these teams where they need to be. They're winning 10 games a year. They're just not executing in the playoffs, and that's not that to me. It's not on Jason Garrett. It's not. I, I feel like there, there's been a lot of mishandling of the football by his players, and I don't. I don't think that's something you could coach to a sense that uh, you've got to. They've got to be able to execute. So, ten wins for me is a lot. Is a lot different than eight and eight. So right, you know. So who's your pick to win the NFC East, my friend? Yeah. So with the return of Zeke and and. And you know the, the addition of Alan Hearns, I, I gotta go with the Dallas Cowboys this year. Um, I, I think that they're they're gonna be a tough team to really really contend with. Their defense is 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 solid, um, and uh, I just feel that they they have the right mindset and the right setting to to actually take this division. I'm gonna take the defending Super Bowl champions. I think uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are gonna have a big, big year. Um, I don't see Carson Wentz coming back probably till week three or week four. Um, I think they'll be a 500 team then. But you know, if they can, if Nick Foles can keep them around 500 for when you know your MVP quarterback, he would have won the MVP if he wouldn't have gotten hurt last year. Um, he comes back. Um, but for Nelson Aguilar to take the next step, this guy's a superstar in the making. He's quick, he runs good routes, and if he gets behind the defense, goodbye. Um, so my pick for the NFC East is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. So let's switch over to the AFC side of things. Um, talk about the crown jewel of that division, the New England Patriots. Head coach Bill Belichick, he's in his 19th season, which is hard to believe in this day and age that a coach has lasted 19 seasons at one spot. Um, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are beginning their 18th season together. Um, I'm only saying that because Brady only played one game in his rookie season, which was Belichick's first season. <coughs> Excuse me. Some key question marks uh, I have for the Patriots this season is, quite honestly, the most obvious one. How much longer can Tom Brady play at the level that we're accustomed to seeing from him? At 40 years old, he threw for 4,700 yards, 32 touchdowns, and only eight picks. Um, but when will the best quarterback of this generation start slowing down? Um, and when he does, when is he going to get that Kozar treatment from Coach Belichick? I think he's going to slow down just like Peyton Manning did, and it's just going to be out of nowhere. It's just going to be one day, the, the, the ball's not spinning like it used to, um, and the passes aren't getting to the places they need to like they used to. So I, I don't see it this, this coming year. Uh, but uh, when it does happen, it will be it will be off a cliff, uh, just just gone. Right. A um, couple of key offseason departures: uh, Danny Amendola, one of his uh, go-to guys. Um, I'm not a big fan of uh, Rex Burkhead being able to handle uh, the entire load. Um, he's had some injury issues. There's not a lot of depth behind him anymore. Julian Edelman has his four-game suspension, which I'm not sure how I feel about that. I think it's a little bit of hogwash. 
And then every year we just seem to keep asking the same question, how in the heck are they going to stop people on defense? Um, with all that, you still have one of the best coaches in football who can scheme and scheme and scheme and find ways to get his players to perform, put them in positions to help them succeed. Um, and until Father Time catches up to Mr. Brady, it's a safe bet. He shows up every week and performs at a high level. On paper, I believe that this team is in the best in the division by far. I look for the Patriots to go 11-5 and five and win that AFC East relative ease. Yeah, in my opinion, that they they play in the easiest division, but uh, <coughs> by by no means are they a slouch of a team. I mean, they, they are a, a, a official dynasty. Um, there is question marks on the defense, but uh, my – my main interest this season with the Patriots is, uh, as TK mentioned, he doesn't think that Rex Burkhead controlled the load. I think I kind of agree with that because I'm looking for Sony Michelle to take over at some point in the season. Uh, that man was was a beast behind the two-headed monster of Nick Chubb and himself at UGA. So I'm really feeling that the, that the Patriots will actually look to get Sony Michelle the ball as much as they do Rex Burkhead, if not more. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I tend to agree with that too. Um, but, you know, if... If you don't turn the ball over as a running back on this team, that's where you seem to get the most uh, playing time. So we'll see as this season unfolds. Um, but they have more than enough firepower on offense, especially with uh, you know Tom Brady finds ways to get people open regardless of who they are or how good they are. And that's just a testament to his greatness. Um, moving on, we got the Buffalo Bills uh, in this division. Sean McDermott, second season at the helm for the Bills. Um, I believe the Bills looked uh, to be in a somewhat of a rebuild situation trading veteran Tyrod Taylor to the Cleveland Browns and drafting Josh Allen. Um, but electing to start Nathan Peterman is a little bit of a question mark to me because Peterman's only start of 2017 was a train wreck, to say the least. Um, I'm a closet Bills fan. I don't mind watching them on television. Um, I've, I've always liked Tyrod Taylor, I'm not going to lie. I like watching Shady McCoy. I think he plays fantastic. So... Um, have no problems rooting for those guys, but when they started Nathan Peterman in the midst of a playoff run, I just had to shake my head, and uh, McDermott's lucky that didn't cost him the playoff spot. Um, but I, I believe the only way for this team to be successful is to be great on defense. Knowing Peterman and Allen are young, opposing teams are going to look to stack the box and stop LaShawn McCoy. Um, that quarterback room has zero NFL wins between them, and they're only carrying two quarterbacks on the roster. So the defense is going to have to play at a high level to keep them competitive. Also, though, that offense is going to put that defense in a lot of tight spots. you got two young quarterbacks that are probably going to end up playing uh, throughout the season, and quarterback, young quarterbacks are young, they're dumb, and they make a lot of mistakes. Um, another bad decision, I think, to only carry two quarterbacks on that 53-man roster. Trading, trading for A.J. McCarron and then trading him away, um, I think, was a huge detriment to the success of this team this year. Um, so I do expect them to struggle. The offense is going to struggle to score points. The defense is going to re- struggle to recover from the bad spots that the offense is going to put them in. Um, I see this team finishing 3-13 and and in last place in the AFC East. All right, let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. Miami's head coach is Adam Gates. He is in his third season. Um, perhaps the second-best team in this division. The biggest question the Dolphins face is will Ryan Tannehill bounce back after that devastating ACL injury he suffered last season. Brock Osweiler and two unknowns waited the wings if Tannehill were to be uh, uninjured again. Can Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, and Danny Amendola find a way to fill the shoes of Jarvis Landry, who was a target machine for Tannehill in years past? Um, Kenyon Drake is on pace to have a huge breakout season, 
but sharing the load with Frank Gore could limit his impact on the game. Um, I did happen to notice, too, the Dolphins have a lot of impact players on defense. Keep them in games. Kiko Alonso, Ndamukong Sue, Cameron Wake. Um, but I noticed that their secondary did give up a lot of passing yards last year, so they're going to have to be able to defend the pass if they're going to want to be successful. Um, like I said, I think they're going to be the second-best team in the AFC, but it's not exactly saying too much. I look for the Dolphins to be a 6-7 to seven win team at best, and as high as 8, the ball bounces their way a few times, but I would say this team is the epitome of being average in NFL standards. Yeah, I think I'm with you on the 6-7 on the six to, six to seven win front. I just just don't feel they're a good team, and 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 it's weird for me to to compare them to what I know and I see every day in the Browns. Even with the Browns being an 0 and 16 team last year, I still feel that the Browns are a better team than the Miami Dolphins, and that's weird to say because of the record. But I just don't feel that's a good team. They they don't have good supporting cast. They don't have good skill players. They don't really have good defense. It, it just behooves me that they win games every year so uh, I think they will be a 6-7 win team because they do have to play the Jets and the Bills twice so there's four wins that they should get um, right away and then I think they'll find two to three other games somewhere down the road so good luck Miami uh, another year where they don't go to the playoffs and they are still probably looking for their franchise quarterback um, moving on to the New York Jets Head coach Todd Bowles, he's in his fourth season with the team. Um, the Jets say that their future's now. Uh, and they've dabbed first-round pick Sam Darnold as their starter. Uh, they're coming off a 5-11 season where, quite honestly, I thought Josh McCown played pretty well last year. I don't think it was more his fault than anything else. Um, I don't think they're in a spot to contend, but getting Darnold the experience he needs I think is going to be great for the future of this franchise. Um, but they do have a lot of questions going into the season that they're going to have to answer. Uh, how effective is Darnold going to be as a rookie starter? Can Belia Powell be more consistent with the run game? If you look at his stats, he rushed for about you know six, seven hundred yards, but he only had two big games. He had two games that were over 140 each. After that, he didn't have any game, any games that were higher than 74 yards. After that 74-yard game, he struggled to finish with 50 yards rushing in any game, and that's not going to get it done in this league. Um, I think Isaiah Crowell is a very good add it add for them. I think he was very underutilized here in Cleveland. Um, and I think he can step up and carry some of the load as well. Um, but the more successful this Jets team is, it will be dependent on their run game because they're not going to be able to get it from their quarterback. Stop me if, you, if, if, you sound, if this sounds crazy, but uh, I, I think Sam Darnold has, has a chance at uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year. I, I really do. Um, he, he's got some good threats that uh, he can throw to. Um, I, I like Robbie Anderson a lot. That dude was a breakout star last year. Came out of nowhere. Um, Appreciate you, Robbie Anderson, for uh, helping my fantasy team along as well. Um, you were a great pickup off the free agent pile. Um, so I feel like Sam Darnold is, is going to rely on him and, and Bilal Powell as a, as a scat back to throw out to him to, uh, you, know, you, know, uh, you know, raise up his numbers and pad his stats as, as the game goes, especially because the Jets will be behind a lot. So Sam Darnold will have to throw 30 to 40 times a game. So I really feel that uh, that he may be in the contention for offensive rookie of the year. Um, I, you just you mentioned Robbie Anderson, but who else is he going to throw to? Terrell Pryor hasn't had the greatest camp. He's been heavily criticized in the media by Bulls for talking about injuries that they didn't want out there. But you know, Isaiah Crowell is not going to catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. That's one thing a big knock on him. 
Uh, Blyant Powell can do that, but it's hard to have a, a, a two-horse uh, stable and be successful in the NFL without those weapons. Um, so with that said, I think that Todd Bowles' seat is very, very hot. Uh, being in season number four, uh, things have gone backwards instead of forwards when it comes to his tenure there. Um, so not going on for the Jets, not much going on for the Jets this year, I should say. Their lack of playmakers on both sides of the ball make this a three-win team at best. Um, I'd be ca- I'd caution the Jets, don't let Darnold take too many lumps. If you see he's struggling, you got McCown out there, put him in, he'll win you some games, but he'll take that beating like we saw him take here in Cleveland. Don't ruin your franchise quarterback with a terrible season. It's not worth it. Not at all. All right, Jay's back up. Let's go to the NFC West and see what we've got in store out there in the NFC West this year. Yeah, so on the NFC West, before I make that pick, I want to go back to the AFC East. Uh, Yeah, please do. Let you know that my pick for that uh, division will, of course, None other be the New England Patriots. That's right. I forgot to ask you. Where else would I go? Exactly. Was, <laughs> I, I thought it was just known you, between us that the, that was going to be the division you winner know, there. That's a pen. Until Tom Brady retires, you can pencil that. Uh, actually, pen that in every time. So moving on to the NFC West, um, one of my favorite divisions. Uh, little known, little known facts about myself. I was born out west in California, so one of, one of my first favorite teams was the Rams, and we're going to go ahead and dive into the Rams right now. Uh, the Rams. They made an effort for a Super Bowl or bust this season. The agent, free agency was aggressive. They went and got the likes of Brandon Cooks to replace Sammy Watkins. They went and got Ndamukin Sue, signed him for a one-year contract. They went and got Hakeem Tlaib and Sam Shields all in the free, free agency market. If that doesn't scream, we want to go to the Super Bowl, I don't know what else does. They have returning starters in Todd Gurley, Cooper Cup, who looks to turn the corner as a uh, – as his second year comes around, and they have Robert Woods, who most likely will become the number two behind Brandon Cooks, uh, but but number two is just the number of the depth chart, not the, the skill of the receiver by far. Um, they also made a huge move by locking up defensive tackle Aaron Darnold to what was the highest paid player, uh, highest paid defensive contract in the league until Khalil Mack came along and moved to the Bears. Um, so, but they made moves that solidified them, that basically said it's Super Bowl a bust. Uh, their interior rush is the best in the league right now um, with, with those players. So look for a lot of quarterbacks to be on their back when the Rams come to town. They're building off a very successful year last year, too. I thought, you know, Jared Goff, uh, much to the chagrin of Jeff Fisher, stepped up, and I thought he had one heck of a season last year. Um, he proved that he was worthy of the pick that was bestowed upon him and quite honestly made Mr. 8-8, eight eight, Jeff Fisher, look pretty foolish by not playing him when he should have. Yeah, Jeff Fisher is the man with nine lives, I'll tell you that. Um, he, uh, he has coached many a team, and he's always failed up. So he got lucky this time with, uh, with Jared Goff, and I, and, and I feel like they're really going to turn the corner this season to at least get to the championship game. I really do. I, I mean, you could pencil that in as my NFC pick already. I'm going with the Rams, but uh, yeah, I do. I do feel that they are going to look to turn the corner. And if they don't, if they don't go to the Super Bowl, it, it's a failed season. Um, so, uh, you know, my only my only beef with what they're doing right now, my only worry is they have a lot of personality out there. You know, you have Endomicon Sue that has rubbed people the wrong way on two different teams. You know, the infamous stomp and you know, on the ankle. 
Um, and then Aqib Talib and the Michael Crabtree incident, you know, he's rubbed people a lot away with some of his dirty plays. So we got to look to see maybe if we can get that cleaned up as far as being out in L.A. But, you know, maybe that's who they are and that's what makes them great players. So that's my only my only worry with them is keeping them on the field and not having unnecessary penalties hurt the team with these two players. But they will be a problem for everybody in the division and everybody in the NFL. I, I do feel that the Rams are, are the team to be out, out in the West. Looking at their thing from last year, I'm just looking at some stats. Um, blows me away to find this out. They scored the most points in the league. They scored 478 points. Mm-hmm. But they were 7-1 and one away from home. Mm-hmm. So you clean up that home record a little bit. This team is going to be scary this year. Yeah, they yeah. are going to be a very they're they're well coached. They play hard, and man, it's it's amazing what a franchise quarterback can do for the weapons you have on your team. You go you go seven and one on the road, and really all anyone ever asks you is just be over five hundred on the road. That's all we can really ask of you. Seven and one is scary, and if they protect home field, they 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 are the the team to beat. They will go to the Super Bowl. Moving on to the uh, Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks look to, to, to be not rebuilding, but revamping. We are entering the era of the post-Legion of Boom era. Uh, the, it is officially here. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, Richard Sherman, and Cam Chance are all gone. Uh, they've moved on, retired for medical reasons. And now it's time for uh, Pete Carroll to figure out how the identity of the Seahawks is going to be. Uh, he basically fired everyone on the staff except himself, uh, you know, which basically says, I, I need to redo this whole team. I need to figure everything out. And I think that's what the Seahawks are doing right now. Now, with that being said, they by no means are going to be a slouch in this division. Um, they, they, they still have a good team. They still have Russell Wilson as their quarterback. And I feel like he will carry them on their back until the, uh, you know, help arrives. Um, Russell Wilson has made it very clear that he doesn't need anyone really to exceed, including his offensive line, as he runs around the field uh, for 20 seconds at a time trying to find a, a wide-open receiver. So look for Russell Wilson to take the lead um, for the Seahawks while they have this revamping period. Um, and look for them to, to, to be a, a contender for the playoffs, but, of course, just fall short <coughs> behind the Rams. Yeah, I agree there. I mean, and, you know, he doesn't uh, – he's he's no slouch. If Pete Carroll's looking for a way to rebuild his team, look no further than your quarterback. Um, but you still have some good weapons. You've got uh, Ed Dixon as a tight end. You've got uh, Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett. Uh, those are two very, very, very serviceable uh, wide receivers who have also won me a lot of fantasy points. Um, but that offensive line, though, you know, as much as, you know, Wilson says, you know, they don't have to play well – they do because he has taken a beating the last few years, and some of the games I've watched him just get shot after shot after shot. I'm like, man, when stay down, like, yeah. you don't you don't have to get back up this time. It's okay, and not that I want you to be hurt. Just take a play off, you know. It's but this man is every bit as, as durable as as a Drew Brees. He is um, so gritty, he, and he is his. And, and it could be a testament because of his small frame. He doesn't have long ligaments to, to toss and turn all over the place. So he can take these hits. He's proven that, you know, I I, I can still make this play even if my, my old line isn't going to protect me. Um, I think one of the things that is going to help him stay off his back is their uh, their uh, pickup of Rashad Penny. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he's going to shoulder some of the rushing duties to, to basically not, ha- you know, have the pass rush 
come at him all the time and everything like that. So, you know, the, the, the Seahawks just, to me, have lost far too much to improve where they were last year, but that doesn't mean they're going to get any worse than they were last year, you know. Correct. Uh, it's like I, I feel this is a revamp, not a rebuild. Look for them to still be one of the better teams out west for sure. My uh, One of my biggest questions for them, though, too, is uh, who's going to run the football for them? It seems to be running back by committee out there. Um, but they don't really have any big names or anyone that kind of strikes fear in you know the hearts of opponents' defenses. That could be a, a big question, but uh, I think Rashad Penny will will take off for sure. Um, he was definitely a good back in in college, so uh, I, I think he I think he definitely will will keep the Seahawks along with Russell Wilson and the other the other skill players that you mentioned, such as Doug Baldwin. They, they'll keep them afloat. Um, they'll be definitely a a team to 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 be reckoned with um, out west for sure. Uh, moving on to the 49ers, uh, some, some keys out there where there is a lot of optimism, as we all saw coming off of last season. Um, assuming health isn't an issue for the 49ers, they may challenge for the West, maybe upsetting a few teams. They did it last year. They beat the Rams, um, who was a, vol- a volatile team. That one loss that they had away, uh, the Rams had away from home, that was the San Francisco 49ers. So... They look to be an upset-minded team, um, a team that's looking to go to the playoffs just as much as the Seahawks. I, I, I don't see them flipping spots with the Seahawks, but it can happen and look for it to happen. They're also getting a full year out of Jimmy Garoppolo instead of five games. So, um, you know, he won five straight games after coming over from the Patriots, then signed a massive deal in March uh, to be the, the franchise quarterback. So look for him to make a lot of moves. Another thing that was exciting is Marquise Godwin. Uh, if he can continue his momentum from last year, uh, coming off both career highs in catches and yards, uh, just under 1,000 yards to be exact, uh, they're going to be a good threat. Uh, Pierre Garçon is another addition. He's coming back from injury. Um, and under Kyle Shanahan, who is the, uh, the uh, coach out there, uh, he will, uh, he will uh, be well over 100 yards receiving. For sure. Uh, I mean, uh, 1,000 yards. I apologize. I way undershorted him. Um, but he will be well over 1,000 yards, as that's what he did when in 2013 when Kyle Shanahan was his offensive coordinator with the Redskins. So look for him to do that. There was a key addition uh, for Jarek McKinnon. Uh, he comes off being part of the two-headed monster in, in Minnesota, and he showed great numbers as the second option uh, behind Latavius Murray uh, last year. Uh, he looks to be the future back, um, and even people have questions about his size. He still looks to be shoulder the load, especially after Carlos Hyde's departure. Um, I, I think I think this will be great. These, these these skill players will be great under the Kyle Shanahan's run pass option scheme, uh, just like a West Coast offense that they ran for uh, Kirk Cousins uh, when he was in Washington. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of promise out there, uh, even though the 49ers haven't made the playoffs. Um, they, you know. Or had a winning record uh, since last year, uh, they 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 will look to to contend in this in this division for sure. I look at the 49ers to be a contender uh, in this uh, division, and got to give a shout out to Cloverleaf High School alum Kyle Yuschek, fullback, tight end for the 49ers. Um, good luck to you this year, Kyle. Hope to see big things from you. Um, I really think uh, the best is yet to come for you in your career. Um, but I will go on record right now before we even talk about uh, the next team uh, in, out here in, in the West. But uh, the 49ers are winning this division this year. They've got the weapons. They've got the coaching. Um, they can just tie a few things up on defense. But Garoppolo is the real deal. Um, coming in with a team that 
was had one win up until that point, coming in and winning five in a row to end the year with a lot of the weapons that you have coming back this year. I, I see big things for the 49ers this year. I really think that they're going to be the class of that division, and they're going to win it. I think that there's a good pick. There's only one problem. It's that defense is on the defensive side. Who's who's stopping? Who you you got to you got to stop them. You can't keep scoring all the time. Um, and and then and then having your offense come back out and having to match every single time. The 49ers have the weapons to be a a great offensive team. I just don't feel they have the defensive firepower and the skill players in place on defense to really make a run like they need to. They have to be able to stop people. And, you know, they don't have that. You know, every time I saw a San Francisco game I watched last year, it was a basketball score. I mean, it might as well have been a Big 12, uh, a Big 12 game. Uh, so, so I feel like San Francisco has to find their skill players on defense, which they didn't really uh, upgrade this year for them to basically contend the way that you would believe they would contend this year. I, I still got to go with the Rams because they have it on both sides of the ball. Only time will tell, but let's uh, let's get into the Arizona Cardinals. They are a uh, potential wild card uh, in in this in this grand scheme of things here. Um, so tell us about them. Yeah, so the Cardinals uh, they still got Larry Fitzgerald, Father Time, ageless one. Yep, Father Time's most consistent wide receiver right there. Um, he will look to come back and, and have another consistent year, over a thousand yards as well. Uh, I think he was just under last year, so. So he will look to, to, to be consistent. And, and another question is, when, he's, when is he going to slow down? I don't feel that it will be this year. Uh, there was a key addition of Sam Bradford, uh, which if he stays healthy, he might be enough to make even the most skeptic critics rethink you know, their conclusions about the Cardinals not making the playoffs or whatnot. But uh, you know, history isn't on Bradford's side because he's very injury prone. Um, I mean, the Cardinals last year were a David Johnson injury away from being a playoff team. They finished 8-8. Eight and eight. And losing him really, really kind of hampered what they wanted to do on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, I, and and I and I agree with that one hundred percent. So you know they, they could they could be a wild card team, but uh, you know with that you know it's it's all going to hinge on whether Sam Bradford uh, can stay healthy. Um, but they do have Josh Rosen um, on their team. They drafted waiting in the wings. Yep. Waiting in the wings. Um, you know, and, and in my opinion, I feel like he's most likely to finish out the season, especially if the Cardinals are out of it, they're going to put him in. Absolutely, um, and, and they he's, should. He's going to be in there, and he's going to get thrust into the spotlight early, and a lot of things could change at that point. Uh, it, we could either have a fire sale, or we could say, you know what, this is going to be our man. Uh, we're going to move forward with him, and we're going to we're going to try to get him more skilled players around him so that we can move forward into the future. Um there, there, there was just so many. Lo- there was so much. There was so much departing here of contributors from the, the Cardinals and the aging components uh, of the Cardinals, such as guys like Larry Fitzgerald and and David Johnson being injury prone and everything like that. It's it's just hard to believe that they will contend this year. I, I do feel that at, at some point, uh, you know, it will it will make it difficult for them to be a credible team as the season goes forward. Sure. You know, expect David Johnson to be who he is. He will threaten a 4,000 yards um, as both a, a pass rusher and, and uh, a pass catcher and a, uh, you know, a rusher. But uh, it, it won't be enough uh, for them to really be a, a contender. I, I really do feel they're pretenders at this point. 
um, and, and they will be a, an easy win for most teams in, in their conference. <clears throat> so after it's all said and done, sounds like you've got the Rams coming out of the NFC West, and I've got the surprise pick of the 49ers. Yeah, and 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 and, and I like your I like your enthusiasm for the San Francisco. You know, they they have a really good offensive team. I'm just worried about their their faults on defense. It's going to be tough with the Rams having both the skill players in position on both offense and defense. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me not to pick them. I can understand that, and I I, I respect that 100. percent I just, um, I don't know, something about the 49ers, just the way they ended last season, um, I think that momentum for a team like that, for a coach like that, can really carry from one season to the next. So that's why they're my surprise pick. Um, so let's uh, let's move on to the AFC West. Uh, we'll start with the Oakland, soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders. Head coach John Gruden. It's his first season this time around. Um, the Raiders shocked the NFL world by trading superstar Khalil Mack to the Chicago Bears for a lucrative package in return. <clears throat> Highlighted by 2019 and 20 first-round draft picks, amongst others. But was that enough of a return for the best overall player on their roster? You know, I I, I don't think it was even, even about that at that point. I think there was a lot of ego. This was an ego-driven trade between Gruden and Khalil Mack. I think Cleo wanted money. He wanted to be paid for, for what he's doing. Um, but uh, I think John Gruden didn't want that. I, I think they came to, to came to a head, and, and of course, they're not going to trade the coach, so Khalil Mack had to go. Right. Um, <coughs> man, I apologize, folks. This cough will be gone by next year, but it's just that almost had pneumonia, that dry cough that just doesn't want to go away, but it's not going to stop me from getting this show done, man. I tell you what. Um, the Raiders are looking to bounce back from a very disappointing 2017 season. They finished 6-10 and 10 after a, a very good season in 2016 that had that playoff uh, appearance. Um, I think they would have had a much better luck in the 2016 playoffs if Derek Carr wouldn't have got hurt, but that's another story for another time. Um, speaking of Carr, lost a weapon in Michael Crabtree, but gained another one in Jordy Nelson, who I think still has a lot left in the tank. I think it was more of a salary cap, we don't want to pay him type thing in Green Bay. Um, he'll be a veteran alongside Amari Cooper. Uh, biggest questions for the Raiders, though, is can Derek Carr have a bounce-back year uh, and go back to the quarterback we saw in 16? Because he didn't really light it up last year, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, and, and, and another thing that I'm also thinking about, are the Raiders all in this season in Oakland? Uh, they, I, it is next season that they're going to Las Vegas, correct? Yep. Yep. So that, that's one thing I've always I've thought about. It. Are, you know, are we going to get the Raiders that are saying, you know, we're going to give you the best that we got. Goodbye, Oakland, or goodbye, Oakland. We hardly knew you. Uh, that, you know, that that is my thought. That is my biggest question. What team is going to enter the field? And then my uh, one of my questions, too, is can Amari Cooper be consistent week in and week out? Because in 2016, he balled out. Took him very high in a lot of my fantasy uh, drafts. I, I have a couple different teams that I play with. But, man, he was all or nothing. He had a couple of big games and then nothing. I mean, not even a catch. And, and, nothing. And you would wonder, where does he go? Like, right. What are you doing? Like, why, why aren't you getting free? You're one of the more explosive uh, receivers in the league. So, so what exactly is going on? You know, where do you disappear from game to game? And, and it almost felt like if, if he was going up against a tough defensive back, you know, he let that defensive back shut him down. Right, and he would just disappear. Exactly. And so, is is Amari Cooper an elite talent? I believe he can be, but 
Is he right now? I don't know. I, I, you can't just get shut down like that. Right. This is a very pivotal year for him in, in his development. <clears throat> so all the all the hoopla about John Gruden coming back as the coach of the Raiders for all the time he spent in the booth has the game passed him by? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I love John Gruden in the booth. Uh, uh, you know, this is but this is a Super Bowl winning coach that we're talking about here. Ironically, for the team that he beat with the Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it remains to be seen. But 10 years is a long time. It, Very it, long it's, time. It's a long time. The game has to be different. We all know from the 30 years we've been on the on the planet that the game is different from when Deion Sanders played the game to right now when Charles Woodson just retired to right now with, with the receivers that, I mean, the defensive backs that we have now. In John Gruden's era, you could touch the wide receivers now. And this ten years later, you breathe on those yeah, guys, and it's a it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a flag. Yep. Yeah, so Absolutely. it's a different game, and and John Gruden is going to have to adjust. Now, being in the booth where he was, was he looking at these teams and scouting these teams and thinking about what he was doing? Because he he could have been doing that. He could have been mentally coaching while he was in the Monday night uh, football booth. But uh, you know. It remains to be seen. Uh, you know, it's ten long years, and I, I got to see if he's you know conformed to what the NFL is today. And you know, to, to finish up on the Raiders too, um, I don't view them as anything uh, very special this year. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, my goodness, uh, nothing special with the Raiders, especially because they lost so much on defense so close to the season. That's a big piece to lose right before your season starts. So I think the Raiders battle. They're they're certainly going to play hard for for uh, for Chucky. Um, they'll be disciplined, but I see them as a mediocre eight and eight team in his return to the side. Yes. So I gave him I gave him six games. I actually took away two games and added uh, two two more losses to them because of the fact that uh, they lost, like you said, so much on defense. Um, so so late in the in the preseason coming into the season. I, I think they will will be at the basement of the division uh, this year, uh, unless Derek Carr puts the team on his back and 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 wills them to win. Well, I think uh, you may be right about them being in the basement, but they won't be at the bottom of the basement because the next team I feel is going to be at the bottom of that basement. And I am very, very happy to say this now that Peyton Manning's no longer there, but the Denver Broncos, head coached by Vance Joseph. The Broncos are in a spot where I believe their defense is good enough to win now, but they're hoping and praying that Case Keenum can solve their quarterback woes after the Osweiler, Lynch, and Simeon experiment failed miserably last season. Biggest problems I see facing the Broncos. Which Case Keenum are you going to get? Are you going to get the journeyman that's been who he was for his whole career? Or are you going to get the guy that balled out in Minnesota last year? Based off track records, everyone has that career year. I think you're going to get a slightly <coughs> excuse me, upgraded version of what he usually is. But that's not an elite talent here in this league. Also, who's going to step up and fill the shoes of C.J. Anderson, who was a 1,000-yard rusher? Royce Freeman looks to be that feature back, but will he be able to produce? Also, Vance Joseph's seat is scalding hot. Elway thought about dismissing his in-battle coach, but another question is, how hot is Elway's seat? Ever since Peyton Manning rode off into that sunset as a Super Bowl champion, the quarterback play has been very suspect, and 
He ended up releasing his first-round pick, Paston Lynch. Not a very good look for John Elway's resume. Yeah, I, I, it, it's tough. I, I don't see that uh, a man who is a Hall of Famer for a team um, and, and, and a Super Bowl winner for a team really, really being let go so soon um, after you know, just winning a Super Bowl this decade. It was about four, four years ago that they won it. So uh, I, I feel like right now they've, they've been swinging and missing, but I, I think they will, keep, uh, they will definitely keep John Elway around. Um, for the for the foreseeable, at this point, I looked up for the Broncos to struggle mightily. Four wins at most for this team, um, only because I just don't think uh, Case Keenum is going to be the guy we saw last year. Yeah, the defense though, um, I, I'm excited for the defense. But the thing about this is, is is the same thing I was saying about San Francisco. It's going to be very one dimensional. Their defense is going to do their best to stop them, uh, but eventually they're going to be on the field so much every single game that it, it's the dam was going to break every single game. Uh, you know, they'll put up three points for three quarters, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Case Keenum puts him in a, in a situation where he throws an interception in the red zone for the other team, and the Denver Broncos are right out there again. So uh, I, I think I have to agree with you. There's just not enough, enough offensive firepower for the Denver Broncos really to succeed this season, even with the one of the best defenses in the league. Exactly. Um, we're going to move on to the team that I think um, is going to be very interesting this year. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, head coach by Andy Reid. Um, Kansas City is very high on quarterback Patrick Mahomes by uh, just by the sure fact that they let Alex Smith go. And Alex Smith was very, very successful in his tenure as the Chiefs uh, quarterback. Andy Reid, I believe, is likely staking his job to this young quarterback who does have a rocket for an arm. Yeah, my only beef with Patrick Mahomes is that at this point in the season, can he make the right throw? Uh, he is still struggling uh, mightily with making the right throws and, and not getting picked off. Uh, and, and this was evident in, in the preseason. He's got a big arm. He's just not making the right throws, not making the right decisions at this point. So he's got to get better at that. Uh, the game still seems too fast for him at this point. So. Right, and that can be... Uh... For a, a playoff team that, that that was in the playoffs last year, that's uh, something that could really, really hamper their success this year. But if they're going to fail, it's not going to be because he doesn't have any weapons. That's true. He's got Kelsey, Hunt, Tyreek Evans, amongst others, that can make things happen. Um, but can the defense pick up this game with a young signal caller? It's going to be very hard for this team to be competitive if the defense finishes ranked 28th in the league like it did last year. This team started off 6-0. and Finished ten and six, really, really struggled over the last ten games. Um, so, can they be consistent throughout an entire season? Um, I feel like the end of last year was almost like looking at Andy, Andy Reid's career in a nutshell. Always could start fast, never could seem to win that big one or get over the top. Um, I think Kansas City takes a few steps back this season. I look them to finish nine and seven, but I don't think they're going to make it to the playoffs. I don't think a nine and seven record is going to get anyone in the playoffs in the AFC this season. Yeah, it's not it's not enough to get them a wild card at all either. Um, there's a there's a lot of a lot of good teams in the AFC this year that will contend in other divisions for the wild card. Nine and seven isn't bad. Uh, it's it could get you wild card, but just the the AFC West doesn't have enough horses in it, and the Chiefs are part of that. Um, where they're they going to contend for a playoff spot at all. 
Moving on to who, I'll admit it, this is my favorite team not named the Cleveland Browns, only because I have been a fan of their quarterback since uh, he got in the league. But we'll talk about the San Diego, ah, er, Los Angeles Chargers. Man, that is a joke. Uh, head coach by Anthony Lynn. Uh, Chargers started their season very slow last year, lost some games they shouldn't have, and they ended up missing the playoffs and a division championship by one game. Defense played well for most of the season, giving up the third fewest points in the league. Um, Phil Rivers, still one of the top quarterbacks in this league, and man does he have some weapons at his disposal. Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and adding Travis Benjamin to the mix could have an impact taking some double teams away from Keenan Allen. Some of the questions I have for San or Los Angeles this season, can they finally put together that consistent 16-game seasons? With the weapons they have on offense, when they get in, because I think they are, they're my pick to win this division this year, they're going to be a very tough out. Can the defense repeat the success that it had last year? Because if you keep people out of the end zone, you're going to win games. If you limit touchdowns to field goals, you're going to win games. Um, I think this team is actually the most complete team in the division. This is the Chargers' year. They're going to be 11-5 and and your AFC West division champions. Yep, and you can pen, you can pen that in for me too. I think it's, it's about time that uh, – you know, Phillip Rivers gets the the Chargers to to um, a division championship and uh, and see where they go. He's he's one of the, one of the most silent great quarterbacks that that have ever played the game. Um, again, he's one of those quarterbacks that that racks up his yards because the Chargers are always down. But he makes the throws and he makes the games good. I, I, I that guy is if I can make a comparison, he every single game is LeBron James scoring fifty one points. That's who Phillip Rivers is. So. I think this year will finally be his year that his division is down. He's going to be able to lift them up to the playoffs, and I'm pretty excited for them to get over the hump, finally see them actually make some noise in the playoffs. Maybe we can get a different team that we've never seen before make some noise. Absolutely. So I'll tell you what I want to do right now, partner. Uh, this is this segment's run pretty long, but I'm loving the talk and the, and the conversation we're having. Let's take a quick break. We'll give our audience a chance to regroup, give us a chance to regroup. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to get into the NFC South and the AFC South, the NFC North, and then we're going to finish with the AFC North and get into some talk about our Cleveland Browns. Uh, you're listening to the TK and J Show. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. All right. Welcome back. So now we want to get into some tribe talk today. But before we get into the Indians talk, we just wanted to let you guys know you can definitely reach us via social media a couple different ways. You can reach out to us via the email. TK and J Show at yahoo.com, or you can shoot, uh, choose to tweet at us. Uh, our Twitter handle is at J J A E underscore TK, or you can download the Anchor app and leave us a voicemail. We'd love to be able to hear uh, what you guys have to say. We'd love to get some questions from uh, from the audience. So please get on that app. Great way to listen to the show. Um, the cool thing about the Anchor app is it has us break it down by segment. So if you're not a geek guy and you just want your sports stuff, you can just choose to listen to that stuff and then shoot us a, 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 a voice message on it. Um, or if you're just a geek guy and want to forget about the sports, you can just listen to the geek stuff and forget the sports and send us questions about that. If you guys have an idea for a segment, if you guys want to ask us some questions, you know, get to know more about us, we definitely play it on the air and be happy to answer it for you. Yeah, um, but remember, keep it family friendly. Yes, please keep it family friendly, man. If you we, you can't play it on terrestrial radio, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the language because um, I get enough of that on Sundays during the Browns games. 
All right, Jay. So Indians had a pretty, pretty big week. Um, on 831, the last day you could get a waiver wire player to be eligible for the postseason, the Indians went out and acquired probably the best bet that was still left out there in former AL MVP Josh Donaldson. Josh has been sidelined since May with a calf injury. However, in his one rehab assignment with the Blue Jays before he was traded, and then in his two rehab games with the Indians, all he's done is go out and hit home runs. So, Jay, tell me your thoughts on Mr. Donaldson. So I think I think it's another great move. Um, you know, it, it is an Indian, a Cleveland Indians front office move. Uh, we went and got Edwin Encarnacion two years ago, and we made it a move for him that benefited the franchise. We didn't sell the farm for him. We made a move that benefits the franchise. This is the same thing here. I commend Chernoff for going out and getting Donaldson and making a move that benefits the Cleveland Indians more than it benefits Josh Donaldson. I, I appreciate him coming to our team, and he's going he's gonna to bring a spark to our lineup, and I'm excited to see this man on the field. Absolutely, and I have to give the Indians front office credit because they don't spend crazy amounts of money. They're very smart with their money. They pick and choose their spots, like you said, with Encarnacion. They got Josh Donaldson for cash considerations, basically meaning they're going to pay his $3 million that he has left on his salary for the next month mm -hmm. and a half. And they're getting a player to be named later, which maybe it'll be Josh Tomlin. Fingers are crossed for us here. <clears throat> but Josh Donaldson brings not only playoff experience, he's a veteran. Um, he's been to the ALCS a couple different times with Edwin Encarnacion up there in Toronto. Um, but he's going to play third base, and Jose Ramirez is going to shift back to second base. And I think that's a great thing on two ends. One, Jose's been in a little bit of a slump recently. I think that not having balls rocketed at you every single day at third base is going to allow him to kind of settle down, play his normal position, natural position of second base. And I think it's going to give him a second win that's going to carry him into the postseason and maybe help with the woes that he had in last year's postseason. Yeah, Jose doesn't have any home runs in his last uh, seven games, and I feel like this will be a welcome change for him to go back to a, a position where, you know, it's a, it's a lot less responsibility, um, in my opinion. It's probably the least responsibility on the infield. Um, it, it still carries some weight, but, uh, you know, it, it, this will allow Jose Ramirez to be that big bat he's been all year um, and release some duties for him in the middle of our infield. Also, too, I think it furthers his candidacy for AL MVP because he's showing that he's just not a me guy. He's a team guy. And there's not many guys this late in the year with the numbers and things that he has done that would say, yeah, let me do that. Yeah, he, you know, interesting enough, a, a guy who's been basically killing it at uh, third base all year would probably, you know, if it was any other guy, I'd say, no, I'm not moving. This guy's coming to our team. This is my spot. But Jose Ramirez knows that if he moves to second, lets Josh Donaldson have his position, uh, it benefits the team. And that's why Jose is, is a great ball player, a great team player. And this is why we're glad to have him as a Cleveland Indian. So you got Tito Francona now, who's going to be able to start filling out his lineup card with Josh Donaldson at third, Francisco Lindo at short, Jose Ramirez at second, and Edwin Encarnacion or Yonder Alonso at first. But then, like we've been talking about too, you've got that murderer's row of your first seven in the lineup. You've got Lindor, you've got Brantley, who's silently having a phenomenal season. You're going to have Ramirez. You could put Donaldson fourth. You could put Encarnacion fourth. Either way, Yonder Alonso, Melky Cabrera. My goodness, Tito, you've got toys and toys upon toys to play with. And the great thing is, is you're going to the playoffs. This team 
is 19 games above 500. No one's going to challenge them. They're going to be putting away the division here in the next week. But you've got 23 games. When Josh Donaldson comes back, probably 16 games to figure out how you want your lineup going into the postseason. And I would say in the next month or so, we're going to know how Trevor Bauer looks too. So, man, look at all these toys that Tito has. I mean, I you look up and down any of the other rosters, I don't think there's as much versatility on other rosters as there is right here in Cleveland. And there really isn't. Uh, I think the Cleveland Indians arguably when will have the best infield when Josh Donaldson shows up. They, they're from, from first to third, there, there is no better lineup out there right now. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we, we've talked about, you know, Kipnis having to step it up. Credit to him. He had a pretty nice week. Um, had a couple home runs. So he batted 318 over the last week, but that reaches his average like 220. Big whoop. Um, but now, so Jason Kipnis is the odd man out. And, you know, I'm not a really big fan of just handing him the center field's job when you've got a guy like Greg Allen who can cover ground and you also have Rajay Davis sitting on your bench. Greg Allen's in a little bit of a slump, though, hitting 143 over the last week. But still, he's a rookie, younger player. I'm willing to give him a little bit more of a leash only because of what he gives me on the defensive side. And and you know and and it also and it also benefits the Cleveland Indians to keep that lineup the way it is. I mean, I don't want him to replace Melky Cabrera because Melky Cabrera is killing it right now. And I, and I certainly don't want Kipnis to go to center field because the man's not an outfielder. And center fielder, a uh, center fielder needs to cover some ground. And Greg Allen does that for us. So we we need Kipnis to to just be that that pitch hitter. He needs to become a pinch hitter for us at this time and reevaluate his situation uh, with the Cleveland Indians after the year. If he's not if he's not content with that, uh, then yeah, it's time for him to go. But uh, right now the lineup is is stacked, and if we could keep Josh Donaldson past this year, it, it might be the swan song for Kipnis here in Cleveland. Absolutely, and you know right now the Indians are in a spot where we've both agreed two three years from now when both Ramirez and Lindor are free agents. I totally get it. I understand with the market we're in. You're not going to be able to sign both of those guys, but if you can sign some pieces like a Josh Donaldson, maybe get Edmund for another couple of years after his contract's up next year, there's still enough talent here to where we can extend our window, especially if we go out and win the World Series this year. But I'm not worried about you know next year's. I'm more worried about this year. And like you said, Kip, you're just you're just the odd man out, my friend. And quite honestly, I'm okay with that. I'd rather have you coming off the bench potentially as a guy who can step in against a right-handed uh, pitcher and maybe give us a matchup that is to our liking. And just let me throw these numbers out there for you, and this is why I'm such a big Gray Allen fan as opposed to Kipnis. We're talking the last month of baseball here. Kip and Greg Allen are right next to each other. Kip is four points higher than Greg Allen in average, and they've they've played. And, and Greg Allen's played in four less games this month uh, than 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 Kip has. We're we're talking about the same production. Kip has three home runs. Greg Allen has one. We're, we're, you know, it, it's 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 about the same production. So I'd rather I'd rather keep Greg Allen in the lineup and and keep basically the same production, rather than take him out out of the outfield and get a way a way discrepancy in 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 center field. So absolutely, and you know you you can like have Kip come off the bench, but Greg Allen gives you so much more defensively. And defense and pitching wins you championships. We have we have seven bats in front of Greg Allen. Even if you throw Jan Gomes in there, you have eight bats in front of Greg Allen that are better than him. He knows what his job is. His job is to go out there and patrol center field and make plays out there. Anything he gives you with his bat, it's just a bonus. And I'll take whatever it is that he gives me. And, and, and Lord, let's not even look to right field right now. Uh, Melky Cabrera, his hair is on fire in this past month. He's, he's had five home runs and he's hitting 322. 
I, I can't I can't have Kip anywhere in this outfield right now. It, it just doesn't make any sense for me. Absolutely not. Now, if Melky Cabrera was struggling, maybe we can have this conversation. But right now, the guy's on fire. He's producing. He's made the most of his second chance that he's had here with Cleveland in the major leagues. Um, and I think, quite honestly, he's going to be a big part come playoff time. Absolutely. And and right now, as I, I'm 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 campaigning for uh, right now, I'm lobbying for Kipnis. You're going to be the best pinch hitter to ever be in the playoffs right now. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and, and 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 understand that that's what we need for you to be as 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 an, a Cleveland Indian at this point. You you need to be coming off the bench and coming in uh, in situations where Tito needs to match you up with with a with a, a certain relief pitcher. Absolutely. Also, before uh, we um, move on uh, to uh, some geek talk, um, some stats that really jumped out at me. Just doing some research for the show. The Indians, Jay, they have four starters that have 10 wins or more. you got Kluber with 18 wins, and he's 2-0 with a 0.66 ERA in his last two starts. So I think Corey Kluber is back again. Carlos Carrasco has quietly has 16 wins. Trevor Bauer sitting on the sidelines, chomping at the bit to get back in. He's got 12 wins. Clevenger, <clears throat> excuse me, he has 11 wins. All four of these guys' ERA is under, under 3. Clev's ERA is under 3 as well, which is... Crazy to know, crazy to see that you have four starters with ERAs under three in the American League. The Indians should have more than 79 wins, but we know that the bullpen kind of scuffled us a little bit at the beginning. But my goodness, to have 65 of your wins coming from four from five starters, because Bieber has a chance to get to 10-2. Mm-hmm. He's got eight mm-hmm. wins. And you know, he's in 23 games, he's going to get at least another three or four starts. And he's pitched well enough through five innings where you get his five innings, get him out of the game. That's all I need him for. Uh, Shane Bieber only needs to give you five innings come playoff time, even four innings come playoff time. Just eat some innings. But if we can get five pitchers to have 10 or plus wins, that's a testament to this team who has come out, especially to this rotation, who has basically said, we're going to go ahead and take this team and we're going to carry it and we're going to put them on our put them put this team on our shoulders. And to their credit, they've done it. Yeah, and 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 in the in the last month of baseball, it has been good for our starters. Uh, Clevenger and Kluber leading the way with both four wins. Clevenger on, in the last 30 uh, games has only allowed one uh, 1.72 uh, runs ERA uh, in his performances. So, you know, we're, we're really looking to t- turn the corner. You know, Cookie and Bieber are also, uh, you know, up there with, with low ERAs and, 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 and everything like that. So, uh, this is this is a good sign for us that going into the playoffs that we we won't have to rely on a three man rotation uh, and you know and hand the ball off to unfortunately Mike Clevenger again which that just was just was sad for us to have to do we won't have to hand the ball to him on three days of rest uh, this season we have four capable starters that can get us through the playoffs absolutely because even if Bauer can't come back you can still throw Shane Bieber in there but. Just imagine if you have Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, and Mike Clevenger. They're all four. They're four right-handed starters, but each of them attacks hitters differently. So there's no way that any team could kind of key in and say, "Well, Kluber's a little bit like Carrasco, and Carrasco's a little bit like Clevenger, and Clevenger's a little bit like Bauer." You talk about a murderer's role of our first seven guys in the lineup. I wouldn't want to be on the other side of having those four guys come at me come playoff time. And they're also, you know, they've been eating. They've been eating a lot of innings as well. So. Look for them to eat a lot of innings, get us to the sixth inning, uh, if not further, and be able to hand out to a bullpen that's actually starting to gel. Uh, you know, o- Otero. Uh, I mean, not Otero. I mean, Oliver Perez and uh, and uh, you know and and uh, Brad Hand and and 
Cody and, Allen are starting to, to gel right now. Absolutely. And if we can get Andrew Miller back, I mean, talk about we may not even have to get to the to the sixth. We can go to the fifth and, and bring these four guys in and shut it down. You yep. don't have to play. Absolutely. And you're going to have three left-handed uh, relievers coming out of that bullpen. Tito's going to be able to uh, match up like crazy. Um, Tom Hamilton's going to love coming in and out of commercials because Tito's going to be running up, uh, running out to that mound to make those changes. But it's a nice toy and weapon to be able to have. Um, so I think uh, coming into the next week, we're going to be able to kind of see the Indians probably win a good chunk of their next uh, probably six to ten games just because they're against teams who are under 500 who have had fire sales or just are not having good seasons. <clears throat> and then uh, the last hard uh, hardest uh, series we have is Boston coming up uh, here towards the middle uh, middle of the month. Then um, that ought to be one great series too to see what we can do here on our turf. Yeah, and I would be glad that you know the last time we got a split against them, which which is okay with me. I'm not disappointed in that whatsoever. Um, but hopefully we could we could take uh, two from them. Hopefully three to really make a statement, and that that'd be great. Um, I'm also looking to the the Blue Jay series that's coming up to see how the fans treat Josh Donaldson when he when when they when they come back or I think they're they're coming here. They're coming here. Yeah. Okay, they're coming here. You know, and the last time I went to a Blue Jays game, they travel pretty well. So I'd be interested to see how the fans, the away fans, treat Josh Donaldson when they see him on the field. I think that they're going to give him uh, give him the applause that he deserves because he did a lot of good things there. Um, and Josh is ready now. I mean, yeah, he's on the DL retroactive to the first. Mm-hmm. But in three minor league appearances, he's got three home runs. He's got one grand slam in Columbus, and he's got a nice two-run homer down in Akron last night. So uh, JD's ready. It's just a matter of getting him in the lineup. And uh, there's even no rush to get him really, really rocking and rolling because he's shown you with his bat he's ready to go. Yeah, and, and it sounds like this is a breath of fresh air for him. Absolutely. sounds like he was stymied and... and in Toronto and wanted out um, just as much as they wanted to get rid of him. So, uh, you know, he's come here and he's rocking and rolling for us. So uh, excited to get that spark into the lineup. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's enough tribe talk for tonight. Uh, looking forward to seeing what our Indians do over the next, uh, you know, seven days or so before we do our next uh, pod. Um, but coming up next, the debate to end all debates. Yeah. Power Rangers, Star Wars, who's... All right, welcome back. So now we want to get into some tribe talk today. But before we get into the Indians talk, we just wanted to let you guys know you can definitely reach us via social media a couple different ways. You can reach out to us via the email, tkandjshow at yahoo.com. Or you can shoot, uh, choose to tweet at us. Uh, our Twitter handle is at j j a e underscore... TK, or you can download the Anchor app and leave us a voicemail. We'd love to be able to hear uh, what you guys have to say. We'd love to get some questions from uh, from the audience. So please get on that app. Great way to listen to the show. Um, the cool thing about the Anchor app is it has us break it down by segment. So if you're not a geek guy and you just want your sports stuff, you can just choose to listen to that stuff and then shoot us a, a, a voice message on it. Um, or if you're just a geek guy and want to forget about the sports, you can just listen to the geek stuff and forget the sports and send us questions about that. If you guys have an idea for a segment, if you guys want to ask us some questions, you know, get to know more about us, we definitely play it on the air and be happy to answer it for you. Yeah, um, but remember, keep it family friendly. Yes, please keep it family friendly, man. If you you can't play it on terrestrial radio, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the language because um, I get enough of that on Sundays during the Browns games. <laughs> 
All right, Jay. So Indians had a pretty, pretty big week. Um, on 8:31, the last day you could get a waiver wire player to be eligible for the postseason, the Indians went out and acquired probably the best bet that was still left out there in former AL MVP Josh Donaldson. Josh has been sidelined since May with a calf injury. However, in his one rehab assignment with the Blue Jays before he was traded, and then in his two rehab games with the Indians, all he's done is go out and hit home runs. So, Jay, tell me your thoughts on Mr. Donaldson. So I think I think it's another great move. Um, you know, it, it is an Indian a Cleveland Indians front office move. Uh, we went and got Edwin Encarnacion two years ago, and we made it a move for him that benefited the franchise. We didn't sell the farm for him. We made a move that benefits the franchise. This is the same thing here. I commend Chernoff for going out and getting Donaldson and making a move that benefits the Cleveland Indians more than it benefits Josh Donaldson. I, I appreciate him coming to our team, and he's going he's gonna to bring a spark to our lineup, and I'm excited to see this man on the field. Absolutely, and I have to give the Indians front office credit because they don't spend crazy amounts of money. They're very smart with their money. They pick and choose their spots, like you said, with Encarnacion. They got Josh Donaldson for cash considerations, basically meaning they're going to pay his $3 million that he has left on his salary for the next month mm -hmm. and a half. And they're getting a player to be named later, which maybe it'll be Josh Tomlin. Fingers are crossed for us here. <clears throat> but Josh Donaldson brings not only playoff experience, he's a veteran. Um, he's been to the ALCS a couple different times with Edwin Encarnacion up there in Toronto. Um, but he's going to play third base, and Jose Ramirez is going to shift back to second base. And I think that's a great thing on two ends. One, Jose's been in a little bit of a slump recently. I think that not having balls rocketed at you every single day at third base is going to allow him to kind of settle down, play his normal position, natural position of second base. And I think it's going to give him a second win that's going to carry him into the postseason and maybe help with the woes that he had in last year's postseason. Yeah, Jose doesn't have any home runs in his last uh, seven games, and I feel like this will be a welcome change for him to go back to a, a position where, you know, it, it's, a, it's a lot less responsibility, um, in my opinion. It's probably the least responsibility on the infield. Um, it, it still carries some weight, but, uh, you know, it, it, this will allow Jose Ramirez to be that big bat he's been all year um, and release some duties for him in the middle of our infield. Also, too, I think it furthers his candidacy for AL MVP because he's showing that he's just not a me guy. He's a team guy. And there's not many guys this late in the year with the numbers and things that he has done that would say, yeah, let me do that. Yeah, he, you know, <clears throat> interesting enough, a, a guy who's been basically killing it at uh, third base all year would probably, you know, if it was any other guy, I'd say, no, I'm not moving. This guy's coming to our team. This is my spot. But Jose Ramirez knows that if he moves to second, lets Josh Donaldson have his position uh, it benefits the team, and that's why Jose is, is a great ball player, a great team player, and this is why we're glad to have him as a Cleveland Indian. So you got Tito Francona now, who's going to be able to start filling out his lineup card with Josh Donaldson at third, Francisco Lindo at short, Jose Ramirez at second, and Edwin Encarnacion or Yonder Alonso at first. But then, like we've been talking about too, you've got that murderer's row of your first seven in the lineup. You've got Lindor. You've got Brantley, who's silently having a phenomenal season. You're going to have Ramirez. You could put Donaldson fourth. You could put Encarnacion fourth. Either way, Yonder Alonso, Melky Cabrera. My goodness, Tito, you've got toys and toys upon toys to play with. And the great thing is, is you're going to the playoffs. This team 
is 19 games above 500. No one's going to challenge them. They're going to be putting away the division here in the next week. But you've got 23 games when Josh Donaldson comes back, probably 16 games to figure out how you want your lineup going into the postseason. And I would say in the next month or so, we're going to know how Trevor Bauer looks too. So, man, look at all these toys that Tito has. I mean, I you look up and down any of the other rosters, I don't think there's as much versatility on other rosters at the, as there is right here in Cleveland. And there really isn't. Uh, I think the Cleveland Indians arguably when will have the best infield when Josh Donaldson shows up. They, they're from, from first to third, there, there is no better lineup out there right now. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we, we've talked about, you know, Kipnis having to step it up. Credit to him. He had a pretty nice week. Um, had a couple home runs. See, he batted 318 over the last week, but that reaches his average like 220. Big whoop. Um, but now, so Jason Kipnis is the odd man out. And, you know, I'm not a really big fan of just handing him the center field's job when you've got a guy like Greg Allen who can cover ground and you also have Rajay Davis sitting on your bench. Greg Allen's in a little bit of a slump, though, hitting 143 over the last week. But still, he's a rookie, younger player. I'm willing to give him a little bit more of a leash only because of what he gives me on the defensive side. And and you know and and it also and it also benefits the Cleveland Indians to keep that lineup the way it is. I mean, I don't want him to replace Melky Cabrera because Melky Cabrera is killing it right now, and I, and I certainly don't want Kipnis to go to center field because the man's not an outfielder, and center fielder a uh, center fielder needs to cover some ground, and Greg Allen does that for us. So we we need Kipnis to to just be that that pitch hitter. He needs to become a pinch hitter for us at this time and reevaluate his situation uh, with the Cleveland Indians after the year. If he's not if he's not content with that, uh, then yeah, it's time for him to go. But uh, right now the lineup is is stacked, and if we could keep Josh Donaldson past this year, it, it might be the swan song for Kipnis here in Cleveland. Absolutely, and you know right now the Indians are in a spot where we've both agreed two three years from now when both Ramirez and Lindor are free agents. I totally get it. I understand with the market we're in. You're not going to be able to sign both of those guys, but if you can sign some pieces like a Josh Donaldson, maybe get Edmund for another couple of years after his contract's up next year, there's still enough talent here to where we can extend our window, especially if we go out and win the World Series this year. But I'm not worried about you know next year's. I'm more worried about this year. And like you said, Kip, you're just you're just the odd man out, my friend. And quite honestly, I'm okay with that. I'd rather have you coming off the bench potentially as a guy who can step in against a right-handed uh, pitcher and maybe give us a matchup that is to our liking. And just let me throw these numbers out there for you, and this is why I'm such a big Gray Allen fan as opposed to Kipnis. We're talking the last month of baseball here. Kip and Greg Allen are right next to each other. Kip is four points higher than Greg Allen in average, and they've they've played. And, and Greg Allen's played in four less games this month uh, than 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 Kip has. We're we're talking about the same production. Kip has three home runs. Greg Allen has one. We're, we're, you know, it, it's 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 about the same production. So I'd rather I'd rather keep Greg Allen in the lineup and and keep basically the same production, rather than take him out out of the outfield and get a way a way discrepancy in 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 center field. So absolutely, and you know you you can like have Kip come off the bench, but Greg Allen gives you so much more defensively. And defense and pitching wins you championships. We have we have seven bats in front of Greg Allen. Even if you throw Jan Gomes in there, you have eight bats in front of Greg Allen that are better than him. He knows what his job is. His job is to go out there and patrol center field and make plays out there. Anything he gives you with his bat, it's just a bonus. And I'll take whatever it is that he gives me. And, and, and Lord, let's not even look to right field right now. Uh, Melky Cabrera, his hair is on fire in this past month. He's, he's had five home runs and he's hitting 
322. I, I can't I can't have Kip anywhere in this outfield right now. It, it just doesn't make any sense for me. Absolutely not. Now, if Melky Cabrera was struggling, maybe that we can have this conversation. But right now, the guy's on fire. He's producing. He's made the most of his second chance that he's had here with Cleveland in the major leagues. Um, and I think, quite honestly, he's going to be a big part come playoff time. Absolutely. And and right now, as I, I'm 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 campaigning for uh, right now, I'm lobbying for Kipnis. You're going to be the best pinch hitter to ever be in the playoffs right now. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and, and and understand that that's what we need for you to be as 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 an, a Cleveland Indian at this point. You you need to be coming off the bench and coming in uh, in situations where Tito needs to match you up with with a with a, a certain relief pitcher. Absolutely. Also, before uh, we um, move on uh, to uh, some geek talk, um, some stats that really jumped out at me just doing some research for the show. The Indians, Jay, they have four starters that have 10 wins or more. you got Kluber with 18 wins, and he's 2-0 with a 0.66 ERA in his last two starts. So I think Corey Kluber's back again. Carlos Carrasco has quietly has 16 wins. Trevor Bauer sitting on the sidelines, chomping at the bit to get back in. He's got 12 wins. Clevenger, <clears throat> excuse me, he has 11 wins. All four of these guys' ERA is under, under three. Clev's ERA is under three as well, which is... Crazy to know, crazy to see that you have four starters with ERAs under three in the American League. The Indians should have more than 79 wins, but we know that the bullpen kind of scuffled us a little bit at the beginning. But my goodness, to have 65 of your wins coming from four from five starters, because Bieber has a chance to get to 10 too. He's got eight wins, and you know he's in 23 games. He's going to get at least another three or four starts, and he's pitched well enough through five innings where you get his five innings, get him out of the game. That's all I need him for. Uh, Shane Bieber really needs to give you five innings come playoff time, even four innings come playoff time. Just eat some innings. But if we can get five pitchers to have 10 or plus wins, that's a testament to this team who has come out, especially to this rotation, who has basically said, we're going to go ahead and take this team and we're going to carry it and we're going to put them on our put them put this team on our shoulders. And to their credit, they've done it. Yeah, and 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 in the in the last month of baseball, it has been good for our starters. Uh, Clevenger and Kluber leading the way with both four wins. Clevenger on, in the last 30 uh, games has only allowed one uh, 1.72 uh, runs ERA uh, in his performances. So, you know, we're, we're really looking to t- turn the corner. You know, Cookie and Bieber are also, uh, you know, up there with, with low ERAs and, 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 and everything like that. So, uh, this is this is a good sign for us that going into the playoffs that we we won't have to rely on a three man rotation uh, and you know and hand the ball off to unfortunately Mike Clevenger again which that just was just was sad for us to have to do we won't have to hand the ball to him on three days of rest uh, this season we have four capable starters that can get us through the playoffs absolutely because even if Bauer can't come back you can still throw Shane Bieber in there but. Just imagine if you have Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, and Mike Clevenger. They're all four they're four right-handed starters, but each of them attacks hitters differently. So there's no way that any team could kind of key in and say, well, Kluber's a little bit like Carrasco, and Carrasco's a little bit like Clevenger, and Clevenger's a little bit like Bauer. You talk about a murderer's role of our first seven guys in the lineup. I wouldn't want to be on the other side of having those four guys come at me come playoff time. And they're also, you know, they've been eating they've been eating a lot of innings as well. So Look for them to eat a lot of innings, get us to the sixth inning, uh, if not further, and be able to hand out to a bullpen that's actually starting to gel. Uh, you know, o- Otero. Uh, I mean, not Otero. I mean, Oliver Perez and uh, and uh, you know and and uh, Brad Hand and and 
Cody yeah. Allen are starting to, to gel right now. Absolutely. And if we can get Andrew Miller back, I mean, talk about we may not even have to get to the to the sixth. We can go to the fifth and, and bring these four guys in and shut it down. You don't yep. have to play. Absolutely. And you're going to have three left-handed uh, relievers coming out of that bullpen. Tito's going to be able to uh, match up like crazy. Um, Tom Hamilton's going to love coming in and out of commercials because Tito's going to be running up, uh, running out to that mound to make those changes. But it's a nice toy and weapon to be able to have. Um, so I think uh, coming into the next week, we're going to be able to kind of see the Indians probably win a good chunk of their next uh, probably six to ten games just because they're against teams who are under 500 who have had fire sales or just are not having good seasons. <clears throat> and then uh, the last hard uh, hardest uh, series we have is Boston coming up uh, here towards the middle uh, middle of the month. Then um, that ought to be one great series too to see what we can do here on our turf. Yeah, and I would be glad that you know the last time we got a split against them, which which is okay with me. I'm not disappointed in that whatsoever. Um, but hopefully we could we could take uh, two from them. Hopefully three to really make a statement, and that that'd be great. Um, I'm also looking to the the Blue Jay series that's coming up to see how the fans treat Josh Donaldson when he when when they when they come back or I think they're they're coming here. They're coming here, yeah. Okay, they're coming here. You know, and the last time I went to a Blue Jays game, they travel pretty well, so I'd be interested to see how the fans, the away fans, treat Josh Donaldson when they see him on the field. I think that they're going to give him uh, give him the applause that he deserves because he did a lot of good things there. Um, and Josh is ready now. I mean, yeah, he's on the DL retroactive to the first. Mm-hmm. But in three minor league appearances, he's got three home runs. He's got one grand slam in Columbus, and he's got a nice two-run homer down in Akron last night. So uh, JD's ready. It's just a matter of getting him in the lineup. And uh, there's even no rush to get him really, really rocking and rolling because he's shown you with his bat he's ready to go. Yeah, and, and it sounds like this is a breath of fresh air for him. Absolutely. sounds like he was stymied and... and in Toronto and wanted out um, just as much as they wanted to get rid of him. So, uh, you know, he's come here and he's rocking and rolling for us. So uh, excited to get that spark into the lineup. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's enough tribe talk for tonight. Uh, looking forward to seeing what our Indians do over the next, uh, you know, seven days or so before we do our next uh, pod. Um, but coming up next, the debate to end all debates. Yeah. Power Rangers, Star Wars, who's got the better franchise? What side are you on? We'll tell you what side we're on coming up next. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, We're going to wrap this puppy up. Uh, I think we uh, got into a lot of awesome topics tonight. Talked about the tribe, talked about our Power Rangers, Star Wars debate, Uh, did our NFL preview with our Super Bowl picks. Um... Shout out again to the Madonna Flash. Good luck out there in a few weeks at your tournament. Can't wait to hear how it goes. Um, but I think uh, week two for us was a success. You know, I think we uh, were starting to hit our stride a little bit, um, feeding off each other really well. Um, again, everybody out there, thanks for listening. Without you guys, without the support, 40 people in the first week, we wouldn't be doing this. No, not at all. And, you know, t- tonight was an endurance run, and I hope you guys run it with us. We we. We really put some thought into it, and we, we're glad that you guys are listening. Um, tell your friends about us. Uh, you know, we're, we're here. We're here to uh, make this show for, for everybody. We want to, you know, talk about what you guys want to talk about. We want to answer your questions. Uh, make this show as interactive as possible. Um, you know, if you, if you have something that you, you want to get out there to the waves, if, you know, you have, you know, a sports team that you want to talk about, tell us about your team and everything like that. Come on the show and talk about it. If you have something like uh, – 
an awareness that you want to get out there for us to support. We'll be glad to, to do that with you. So, you know, it, we, we want to keep you involved. We want to keep us involved with you. We want to be a tandem with you. This is it may be named the TK and J show, but you guys, we want you just as part of it as we are. Absolutely. It's a community show. Um, <clears throat> like we said, we've got a special guest next week coming on to talk some uh, Cloverleaf Coats volleyball, uh, local high school out here. But if you're a high school coach or you know a high school coach, I don't care what sport it is, man, I'd love to be able to get sit down with that coach, have a conversation about um, what their passions are, why they love coaching, what makes them successful, talk about their teams, get their programs out there, be able to you know get the community involved as much as we can. Um, so please... Shoot us, an, shoot us an email, tkandjshow at yahoo.com. Hit us up on Twitter. Leave us a message on the Anchor app. Any way that we can get involved in the community, we're down for it. I am not opposed to going out there and, and recording a show um, at a sporting event or even you know getting interviews with athletes after a sporting event and, and talking about it. Um, I know that uh, communities rally around that kind of stuff, and I want this to be something that everyone can, can be a part of and be proud of. Absolutely. Uh, we we want to keep this... We want to keep this going and keep it out there for you guys. Uh, we definitely have no problem coming out and seeing some of the wonderful talent in the in the the area, uh, the Metro Cleveland, Akron area, Medina area. We we want to we want to meet you. So give us a shout out. So next week you're going to the Browns game. So I have a lot of football to watch this week. So we can kind of recap uh, week one of the NFL. You can give us your uh, firsthand account of the Browns uh, Steelers matchup. Um, we'll have another. We'll have our uh, annual, annual, weekly uh, tribe talk segments until the Indian season's over. I think we're going to give the tribe the love that they deserve because they are playing well. Um, and who knows what else we might find uh, to get into out there. If you guys got a geek question or a geek topic you want us to uh, talk about, hit us up. That's that's why it's there. Um, this show is just as much yours as it is ours. Um, so we got a great show coming up for you next week. We look forward to chatting with you then. Um, until then, have a great week. Go Browns. Go your favorite team, as long as it's not the Ravens or the Steelers. And uh, you guys have a wonderful week. You guys have a wonderful week. I will be talking talking to you from the Browns game when I return. <laughs> See you guys. Thank you so much.